Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the astrology of August 2022. I hope that you're all doing well out there. Um, please let me know if you are here by leaving me a comment in the chat box, telling me where you're joining me from, and just greeting everyone uh, in our little community that we've built here. We've got Remco stopping in from the Netherlands. Hello, friend. Uh, we, we are going to go on a journey today, uh, probably go a couple hours uh, diving into the, the details of August, which is looks pretty intense as far as astrological themes go. Um, we're going to talk today about both the tarot significations and the decanic significations of Leo 2, Leo 3, and the first decan of Virgo. So you'll get some, uh, some education around those, those themes today as well. Um, and yeah, I hope that you're, you're all doing all right out there and, and surviving the summer heat. Uh, Fionn is joining us here from, from Ireland. Nice to see you, my friend. Uh, and others are stopping by here. I just wanted to give you all a heads up uh, before we dive into it with all the little business things that we do here. Um, <clears throat> I do have a, a, my last Deccan's webinar of my series that I've been doing for the past year uh, is going to be live on August the 20th of next month, uh, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I hope that you'll join me for that. I've been going on this journey um, of exploration with the Deccans and with the mythology and with all of the different significations surrounding all these things. It's kind of me just dumping all of my uh, studies into one specific container each month. Um, but this is the last one out of the 12 signs. Uh, we started with Virgo uh, last fall, and here we are ending with Leo. So it should be, it should be a lot of fun. Um, you can get 20% off of that until August the 1st using the code LEO20. I'm also still selling a, a Deccans of Summer bundle where you can get recordings of Deccans of Cancer and Deccans of Virgo together uh, for an extra discount as well. So I hope that you'll join me for that. Those, Like I said, those have been a lot of fun. We've had a lot of great conversations between people who have come and participated. Uh, we have gone through the myths. We've gone through the fixed stars. Uh, it, it's quite a labor of love. And I'm curious as to what 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 to do next. Uh, so if you have ideas about things that you're interested in and things that you might be interested in learning and going on an exploration with me, drop it in the chat box as well. I'm kind of got this, um, maybe some free time coming up in the, in the fall here. So beyond that, uh, if you want to support the work that I do here, uh, first of all, just leaving me a comment in your presence is the, the best gift that you can give me. Uh, make sure that you like the, the video so that the algorithm is, is pleased by our, uh, our participation. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the channel, make sure you're subscribed. Please sign up on my email list as well. That's a great way to know when we're going to have uh, new live streams, new guests, new classes, and all of those various things. We have some really great guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, I have my good friend Janet Goodspeed coming coming up on, uh, what is she coming up on? It's the 26th of July uh, to talk about the new moon in Leo. That should be a lot of fun. She, she makes uh, talismanic jewelry, jewelry uh, based on the tarot, which is, which is very beautiful and does a really great job. Another friend from, from Canada. Uh, and then on August the 3rd, uh, another good friend, Portia Bazzani, is going to be here to talk about the full moon in Aquarius. Uh, so make sure you hit the, the reminders for those because those are going to be some great talks and I'm really looking forward to talking to both of those very talented and wise astrologer slash craftsmen. 
Okay, we've got some more people joining in in the chat here today. Xteen is here from South Florida. Hello, Xteen. Uh, Jackie is here. Hello, Jackie from Texas. Nice to see you. Lynn McMillan. Nice to nice to see you, Lynn. Uh, hot in Vermont. That's that's a <laughs> that's something you see every day, right? Being super hot in Vermont. Um, so yeah, we've got a, a number of our friends stopping in today. Um, always really enjoy these chats and conversations and your contributions. I really love the community that we've we've built here over time. Um, if you'd like to make a material donation to the work that I'm doing here today, uh, there's a little dollar sign in the chat box. It's called a super sticker or a super chat. That supports the work that I do. If you are listening to this after the fact and you want to materially support the work that I do, there's something called a super thanks on the YouTube channel, or you can make a donation at buymeacoffee.com. All right, friends. Hey, Janet's here. So Janet is stopping in. Like I said, Janet is going to be here on uh, July the 26th. It's 26th, uh, I believe, at 1 p.m. Eastern time. That is a, uh, a Tuesday. So we'll get our Mars day on. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we will, uh, I'll present you with Janet in all of her Aries midheaven glory. She sent me this really wonderful um, headshot with her with like a big sword. <laughs> it's really great. Uh, she's a lot of fun and uh, it should be, it should be a, a great talk that we have. Um, wow, Remco's saying it's 100 degrees Fahrenheit, 38 degrees Celsius there uh, in the Netherlands. Yeah, we're getting crazy heat waves all over the place. That's something I'm going to talk about today. When I talk about the Mars Saturn square, um, there was some, I went and did some historical research about that particular square in the decans that we're going to see it in in the upcoming month and had some really interesting uh, things that came up, especially uh, in, in, in regards to droughts and um, the Dust Bowl era. We'll talk about that a little bit as we go along. Um, we've got a pretty intense Mars-Uranus-North Node conjunction happening at the beginning of the month. This is kind of a preview of some of the big picture thoughts that we're experiencing here today. Um, we have Uranus turning retrograde at the end of the month, a number of ingresses. So here, here are some of the big picture themes we're going to be going over today. Uh, we've got four lunation cycles uh, that, that I tend to uh, keep an eye on. There's, there's more phases of the moon if you're into tracking it more meticulously, but I, I go through the, the new, the full, and the quarter moons. So we have a first quarter moon on August the 5th, which is at 13 degrees of Scorpio that's squaring the Leo sun. Um, we have a full moon at 19 degrees of Aquarius opposing the Leo sun on August the 11th. Uh, we have a last quarter moon at 26 degrees of Taurus conjoining Algol. That should be a fun one. Um, squaring the last decade of Leo sun as well. Uh, the sun will be on a fixed star called Alphard. So both of those fixed stars are challenging. So that day is going to be an interesting one. Uh, and then we have a new moon once we get into Virgo season at four degrees of Virgo. Hopefully things will start to settle down a little bit by then, but the challenge with that new moon is that that new moon is going to be in an, has an overcoming square from Mars. So, you know, we're heading into some choppy waters here for sure, but hopefully we'll find some ways to navigate this gracefully, um, peacefully, try to reclaim our, our inner peace and our inner centers, um, you know, maybe go to the beach or something and cool off a little bit or find some shade within all of these challenges. So those are the lunations that we have for the month of August. We have a number of ingresses. An ingress is a fancy word for a planet moving into a new sign. 
Uh, so on August the 4th, Mercury will be moving into its own domicile and exaltation in Virgo. So mercurial matters will get a big boost in August. Venus will be moving into Leo on August the 11th. Uh, and then Mars is going to be hitting uh, Gemini on August the 20th. That's important because that's kind of previewing some of the themes that we're going to experience when Mars goes retrograde in the end of October. We've got a Mar Mars is going to be in Gemini forever <laughs> after it moves into there at the end of August. So something to keep in mind um, at, th at this month, we're going to get some of the themes that we'll be dealing with. On August the 22nd, the sun will move into Virgo, so out of its domicile in Leo and into the sign of Hermes. And then finally, Venus, I'm sorry, Mercury will be moving into Libra on the 25th of August. So, you know, Mercury is moving pretty quickly through Virgo. A good time to get things done during August, and then we'll have to kind of deal with, uh, you know, the results <laughs> when Mercury is moving into Libra and maybe having to make some adjustments and learning how to relate to one another. So a, a great time to, to get to work this month um, and to do the tough work necessary, pay attention to the details, try to infuse essence into form um, while you've got, while you've got the, those nice Mercury uh, placements supporting you. A couple solar phases that we have this month. Solar phases, I, I will consider any relationship of a planet to the sun. Uh, it's it's uh, direct or retrograde motion, whether it's going under the beams or emerging from the beams. And this month, we just have uh, two that I could see. Uh, the first being on August the 24th, where Uranus stations retrograde at 18 degrees of Taurus. So we may have be, be reevaluating some of our new material uh, security support systems that we're trying to put into place. I've been seeing a lot of things in the news about um, you know, trying to deal with climate change and, and the, the, the challenging heat that we're experiencing and um, trying to get lawmakers on board with making the necessary changes for humanity. And we might have to reevaluate some of those things that are, either have or have not been successful moving forward around that period of time. Also on the 27th of August, we're going to see Venus move underneath the beams of the sun at 18 degrees of Leo. It's called its morning set. So this is a time where Venus is going to become invisible and going to be doing things behind the scenes. I believe that same day uh, Venus is going to square Uranus. So th th there's going to be some Venusian themes. Uh, and then Venus is going to be moving into an opposition with Saturn. So this is something to, to keep your eyes peeled for as well, is Venus is going to be pretty active at the end of the month. Um, shaking, shaking our relationships up, shaking up the things that we love, shaking up the things that we desire as we try to, to come into alignment with our most authentic selves and with our integrity. Remember, authenticity to me and integrity to me means being a similar expression externally as you feel or believe inside. And that's sometimes very difficult for us to do, especially with the pressures that we have in society um, with the, you know, the laws that we have in the world sometimes and the lawmakers that may not agree with who or what we are or what we do, um, sometimes it's difficult to be our authentic selves and sometimes we have to fight for that authenticity. So those might be some themes that we're working through this month as well. Uh, Lisa is here. Hello, Lisa from New York. Thoughts on launching a new business at this time? Um, yeah, Lisa. Yeah, schedule a reading with me, Lisa. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, and for those of you out there, that's something I don't promote on here enough. But I, I do, I do readings, and my books are open. Um, I have some a limited amount of availability during the week since I do a lot of things with, for my live streams and for my webinars. 
But if you email me and you need a separate time, I usually am available Tuesdays and Wednesdays to do personal readings. Um, I'm available seven days a week to do tutoring. And I love doing, I love doing the tutoring. I love doing readings. I love working with you all one-on-one. -on -one. So if th those are things that you're interested in, in getting a personal reading, um, books are open. I've got time. Uh, <laughs> it's nice to connect with you in that regard. Um, as far as starting a new business this month, well, I think that it just depends on your circumstances. It depends on your own natal chart. It depends on your own situation. Um, I think that there's always good times for launching new things. And I think that oftentimes we're trying to figure out whether we should leave the past behind and whether to take this big leap. I think that a lot of us are going through, through important changes right now um, as far as trying to leave the past behind and trying to um, untie some of the old karmic knots, some of the old narratives that we've been living our lives around. Um, I think this is very, very true in my own personal life and probably with your lives as well. We've got a number of planets that are hitting the, um, uh, the bending of the nodes. Venus will be hitting the bending of the nodes this month as well. So some big changes in our relationships and what, what we love, what we desire, and what is attracted to us and what we uh, are attracted to. Um, so, yeah, Lisa, hit me up. Uh, we'll talk about it in depth. We'll look at your chart and see how things are going. I have a feeling it is a pretty good time for you to start a business as there will be a new moon in your first house. So that's a great way to start a whole new persona, you know, so I'm rooting for you. I think you have a lot of talent, Lisa, and I think that um, you're going to be successful whatever you choose to do. All right. Uh, and Remco is, is giving me the thumbs up on those readings and saying the readings rock. Well, thank you, my friend. I really enjoyed connecting with you. I've Many of the people that are in our community here, I've had personal readings with and I'm just really enjoy getting to know you one-on-one um, -on -one and spending time with you. That's one of my favorite things about doing this work. And hopefully I can I've offer something helpful. Um, I prepare very intensely for these readings, often multiple hours at a time, three to four <laughs> intense pages of notes. If I do a reading for you, you'll have three or four pages that look like this. <laughs> like So uh, yeah, reach out. You'll be great. Raven is here tuning in from Kansas. Nice to see you, Raven. Really enjoyed our talk in the Deccans of Cancer. Um, Raven was a great participant in that as well and had some really great thoughts on, on the cancer archetypes also. So again, I'm so grateful for this audience and for this community, and uh, I hope to be of service for you now and into the future. All right, friends. So we got through the lunations. We got through the ingresses. Um, we got through the solar phases that we were talking about with Venus going under the beams of the sun on the 27th of August. The other two things that I've been kind of uh, looking at a little bit are the, the thing is uh, when planets go out of bounds. I've been kind of starting to pay more attention to the moon going out of bounds last month or the, actually this month as I'm recording this in July. Uh, we had Mercury go out of bounds for a period of time too or we may have some out of, out of the box thinking that brought us some new ideas that may have been beneficial. Uh, this month, we just have two, two lunar cycles where we're seeing the moon going out of bounds. We're having the moon out of bounds from August the 7th to August the 10th, and then the moon will also be out of bounds again from August the 19th to August the 24th. So those are times when our, where our emotions might be feeling a little bit intense. Um, our bodies might be a little bit out of sync. Um, we might be going to some extremes with both of those types of issues. So just be careful around that period of time and, and take care of yourself and practice good self-care around those periods. 
Uh, the animal that we have for this month is the deer, which talks about gentleness. So it, within all of this really intense astrology, especially over fixed signs where we can really dig our heels in, some gentle flexibility can really uh, be beneficial around these challenging times. Um, and trusting our intuition, the deer was sacred to, to the moon and Artemis. So we have to really be in touch with our bodies, in touch with our intuition, trust our gut, um, move forward step by step. This was something that hexagram number 46 that we got this week, uh, changing to hexagram number 12, which is sort of a, a little bit of a stagnation. But most of the uh, divination around this month was referring to moving forward one step at a time, uh, just not being impatient, just, just we're not going to be able to do things super quickly. We just have to build uh, through our integrity and through our authenticity, one foot after another, one foot forward, then the next, okay? Uh, and then you'll build a stable foundation that way. All right. So those are the big picture themes and thoughts. Um, let me know if you have any questions in the chat box. I always love answering your questions whether it's about, you know, the, the astrology in general, or, you know, sometimes I'll take a few um, personal chart questions as well. So one of the things I want to start out with this month is just talking to you a little bit about the period of time that the sun is moving through Leo 2, the second decan of Leo. Now we're going to have one day, August the 1st, where the sun will still be in the first decan of Leo. So we're going to start out with the sun and Leo one, which we've got the five of, of wands here. And really this is about a contest, okay? I talked about this more in my, uh, my last uh, monthly uh, forecast for July at the very end, but you can think about this as the, the competition to, to gain recognition, okay? This is where we're, think of an athletic contest, competing in sports. So you've got this kind of, story that gets told in these three Leo cards, the five, six, and seven of wands. We've got the competition, you know, for the spotlight, as Austin Coppett calls this card. We've got the, the victory parade after finally establishing our, our sovereign, independent sense of self, our authentic self. And then eventually we have to defend that position, um, you know, from, from attack on some level. Uh, this is where you've established your, your royal nature, you've established who you are, and then Sometimes people will try to challenge that position. Sometimes people will say, do you really believe what you say? Do you really believe what you do? Uh, it's time to, to, to have a courageous heart and, and make these extraordinary efforts on some level as well. So again, we're gonna start off one day in the, in the first decan of Leo. And that one day is gonna be an intense day. <laughs> That's one of the most intense days that we're gonna experience. And I'll show you real quick, and before we talk, dive into the second decan of Leo, um, but let me share the screen here. Let me know if you can all see that. So this is August 1st, which is a Monday, and um, we are in the midst of one of the, one of the more intense stack-ups of the year, I think, right here, with Mars, the North Node, and Uranus coming together at 18 degrees of Taurus. Uh, they are also making a whole sign square and in the midst of, of, of Mars applying to a square to Saturn. Uh, and this is, you know, also you can see that by whole sign, we've got both Mercury and the Sun in an opposition with Saturn as well. So we've got this big kind of T-square energy in fixed signs 
we have some unexpected challenges potentially coming up with uh, Mars and Uranus coming together. And I'm seeing that Raven is asking me what my what decade my rising is. I am a third decade Leo rising. I'm 21 degrees Leo rising. So I know all about the um, having to defend your authenticity. Uh, I'll tell you a story about that. Raven, real quick here, you know, I was a professional musician for many years, and it was very difficult to kind of defend my choices to be that to people in my family, to people I was in relationships with, and um, eventually I just kind of had to say, hey, this is me. I can't really be anything else. You know, I I can't be what you want me to be. I can only be me. and take it or leave it. <laughs> that was kind of the, the vibe. That's kind of the vibe of Leo three. But we'll get to that when we when I break that down in depth. But um, I've had to. I've had a lot of people um, try to tell me what I was doing wasn't what I should be doing, and having them try to make me conform to their vision of what I should be. So that that's sort of the the vibe with that. Um, let me see. Yeah, we're talking about moving gently here. Prudence is here. Lovely to see you, Prudence. Kate is is uh, wafting in in the wind here with her with her nice comment there, blowing love into the chat. Uh, Maria is here from Belgrade, Serbia. Nice to see you. Lori is stopping in. Um, yeah, making a comment on the uh, the degree of the North Node of Mars, not to be confused with the North Node of the Moon, which is also in play. Lori, that's interesting. What Lori is pointing out is that every planet has different nodes of where they cross the ecliptic. Now, my program here doesn't show me the nodes of the planets, but uh, if, if, if you're saying that that is where the north node of Mars is as well, that's something we should keep an eye on um, and something worth further study. Extine uh, says north node between Mars and Uranus square Saturn seems like a malefic enclosure with a twist. That's an interesting comment, Extine. Yeah, this is the, so, so back to our Mars Uranus here. Sorry for my little digression here. And hello to Nat. Uh, from the UK, and I, thanks for stopping in. Um, so, so this Mars Uranus North Node stack up. First of all, we've got a lot of fixed energy, right? Where we're, where people are digging their heels in in a specific position. We have the Mars, which creates conflict. Mars is in its exile in Taurus. Mars is in a place that it's very uncomfortable, where it disrupts the the routines that we come to count on for stability and security. It disrupts the the supply chains. It disrupts the physical things that support us. Second decan of Taurus is generally about being generous with our resources. So we may see some really unexpected, um, you know, greed. We may see some unexpected uh, tight-fistedness that that may create problems. Um, the North Node is the, of course, Rahu or the head of the dragon that increases whatever it touches. Uh, this is the way that the Hellenistic astrologers would look at the nodes. Uh, the the, the um, Eastern astrologers in like the Vedic or the Jyotisha tradition thought of it as a hungry dragon or a hungry demon that wanted to consume the elixir of life, but was never satisfied because his head was severed from his body. So we may be desiring these material securities, but Mars is making it really difficult and shaking things up and separating us from it. And when we bring Uranus into the mix, Uranus is just shaking. It's like the big earthquake. It's, it's the shakeup of all these different things, asking us, almost forcing us to do things in a new way and potentially suffering for that new way. 
um, Uranus with Richard Tarnus was, was associated with Prometheus and trying to bring, you know, steal fire from the gods, right? And, and he, he was punished for that. He was punished for trying to bring new knowledge to humanity. So we're trying to make some significant changes in the way we deal with resources right now. And that can create some, some real conflicts. So I have written down in my notes here, disrupted routines. It's applying to a square with, with uh, Saturn retrograde, which is exact on the 7th of August. Separation from resources and security. Natural disasters, unfortunately. I, I, I wrote down earthquakes specifically. This seems like this could be an aspect where we could see an earthquake somewhere. We're dealing with extreme heat right now. Um, the, the climate change can create all sorts of challenges. Uh, drought can create wildfires. Drought can create windstorms and, you know, all sorts of dust uh, <laughs> challenges. Uh, again, my research for Mars and Saturn brought me to the, the mid-30s Dust Bowl era. So again, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, we could be seeing some challenges with how we uh, deal with agriculture. Um, drought can cause, uh, you know, animals to die. So perhaps far, some farm animals may have some challenges. Keep an eye on cattle around this period of time. Um, that's another thing that we could be seeing. But a lot of these things could just be expanded and, and blown into bigger proportion than they normally would be by contact with the North Node. Uh, in our personal lives, we just have to be real careful about some unexpected expressions of anger. A lot of the times, a Mars and Taurus type um, will store up the anger for a long time and then just explode with rage and it's very visceral it's very in the body so be careful of things that you've been pushing down for a long time that are just going to potentially erupt uh, into our realities here uh, we do have um, a little bit of a help from venus venus is making a sextile to that mars uranus north node um, stack up so Potentially, you know, through creating harmony within our domestic sphere, through banding together with the people that we're close to, that could help get us through some of these challenging times. I'm thinking of like resource sharing within neighborhoods and communities, like community gardens, like skill shares, tool shares. If you have more than you need, um, seeking out people that could use your excess. Uh, that that's an, another great way to to get through this challenging time together banding together with your friends and family um, as to to be able to move through challenging times this is one thing about human beings we, we're very resilient and uh, when we work together with one another there's there's amazing things that we can accomplish when we fight with one another we can really come to a standstill and, and really create a lot of pain suffering and trauma but um, there's been some really great times where humanity has banded together and, and achieved amazing things. So think about that as, a, as a, maybe a remediation for this a little bit as well. The other thing I will say is that Venus is the host of this stack up in Taurus as well. So some of these challenges may be related to family issues and domestic issues as well. So, you know, Venus is providing the, the noun for the verb of Mars, Uranus, and the North Node right now. So we may be Marsing and Uranusing uh, Venus issues within the home. Okay, I'm taking a look at the chat here. Uh, we've got some people with some, some placements <laughs> with this. Uh, 
Raven says, can't block a Leo shine, at least for long. That's a great point, Raven. And that's something that's come up in my research for the Decans of Leo uh, webinar that I'm doing on August the 20th, Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Please sign up and use the code Leo20. <laughs> like, uh, is some of the, the most challenging um, expressions of, of the shadow side of Leo is when that light, when the light of the sun is repressed, we, we, we can be burned by it. The sun in traditional astrology was both life giver, but also uh, it, it could burn you if you got too close to it. This is what we, we, we have a condition in traditional astrology called combustion, where if a planet is within 15 degrees of the sun, give or take a few degrees, depending on your method, uh, it, it, is, it is burned or harmed by the sun. So think about like getting, you know, you're, you're out in the sun, you're getting some nice some nice tan or, or star damage, as they would say in that, that cute little uh, stranger, what is it, strange world or strange planet, the cartoon. Uh, you know, I crave star damage. It's <laughs> a great little, great little cartoon. Um, but if you stay out there too long, I mean, you're turn, you'll turn into a lobster and it'll be very painful. So to think about moderation when it comes to solar things as well. But yes, blocking, blocking self-expression can lead to a lot of resentment and explosive emotions. Um, let's see. Remco says, not only looking forward to August 1st, really not looking forward to a lot of lately a lot of shootings in my neighborhood really messing up the stable Taurus atmosphere no fun having a bomb squad in your street yeah Remco I'm sorry to hear that and this is something that we've been seeing in a lot of places in the world is is increased violence and you know I think that man I wish I had a good solution for that I think that this is something that we're dealing with as a community uh, about how we're going to be kind to one another um especially as the, the pressures of climate change, of food insecurity, of COVID, of, uh, you know, the, the necessary changes of transitioning into some kind of new uh, collective human awareness are, are weighing down on us. We have these old ways that we've been dealing with the world, and we have a lot of new things. We have the internet that's stoking the fires. We have all these external changes with changes in our in our earth and our environment that's that's raising the the anxiety level and how do we navigate those things gracefully that's that's um that's something that i'm trying to figure out myself i don't have a great answer for that yet um, but here we are trying to be together for a few hours and, and work it out together i think that's a good start it's just starting to have conversations around it so i wishing you peace remco um, around this time yeah nat says they're in insane weather and in the UK with, uh, yeah, the, I believe that there were temperatures of almost 104 degrees Fahrenheit, um, give or take, what is that, 39 degrees Celsius? I'm not super great with my conversions, but that's pretty hot and it, not, it doesn't usually get that hot there. And a lot of the infrastructure in, in the UK is not set up for that extreme heat. So there's a lot of suffering that's going on right now. Um, and I hope that uh, we will take that info will take that feedback and maybe try to find solutions i think that one of the challenges we have right now is that human beings are very slow and reluctant to change and a lot of people want to just kind of pretend like nothing's happening and go about their business as they always have which is which is a, an understandable human impulse but I, I will say i think we're at a time right now where changes are needed and we have to unify to make those changes rather than get distracted by some of these 
some of this pettiness around like issues that aren't the most important issues. I think that's the most, that's the thing that I've been seeing a lot is a lot of the challenges that we have, while, while they are important, some of them are a distraction against the, the really big issues, which I think is trying to really figure out how we can lower the temperature of the planet in the next uh, couple decades so that we aren't living on a complete hellscape and we minimize the damage that's done, that has been done for many, many decades and try to live on a planet that's habitable. I think that should be priority number one, and it should be shouted from the rooftops uh, much louder than it already has been. Okay, checking in on the chat here. Laurie said, Texas just had a fire sale on live cattle this week. Hobby farmer, farmers can't stand the heat. Interesting, right? So there's Mars separating from your cattle. <laughs> um, yeah, man, we're, we're in some very very interesting times right now and, and, and by interesting i mean difficult um let's see let's see let's see hey porsche's here urania urania universe will be joining me on uh, august the third welcome my friend looking forward to having a chat with you we've got both of our guests in the chat here today with janet and Portia joining us today so excited about that um yeah kate's saying the square with light leo and dark saturn might highlight the struggles of balance Absolutely. Absolutely, Kate. Um, when we have, like I said, we, when we have all these planets and fixed signs, we have our heels dug in, in different areas of our life, and we're trying to harmonize those things, but each one of them is difficult to move off of a, a certain position, and for different reasons. You know, Leo doesn't want to move off their position, potentially due to wanting to feel acknowledged and wanting to feel respected, and maybe due to some pride. Taurus doesn't want to move off of their position because they don't really like material change. They want to feel secure in their bodies and they want things to be predictable uh, from day to day. And then Aquarius doesn't move off their position because they have a certain idealism that that yeah, a narrative that they're trying to fit um, a society into a lot of the times. Um, a glass ceiling, I would call it, like, like mental limitations that we work with. And they're trying to organize society idealistically and and, they, and that sign can get pretty fixed in their in their idealistic positions. So for better or for worse, and I mean idealism, not necessarily like a utopian vision, like sometimes people who consider themselves to be the hero end up being the greatest villain. So, it, you know, every villain thinks they're the hero at some point. Um, so we really have to check ourselves with those those extremes. Uh, Nat says, my, as my husband is a farmer, super aware of how important it is to get the crops harvested, but have seen local fires taking out fields of crops, etc. And Remco says the global warming should be a huge thing for the Netherlands. 30% of our country is below sea level. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we're gonna, we've got all sorts of great farming co comments here. I'm going to read through them before I comment on it. Janet Goodspeed says the farm I used to work on is under fire threat right now. It's across the river from town in British Columbia that completely burned down last year. Uh, Lytton. Oh, see, I mean, this is, this is why I love having international community because it's so instructive. We've got people in Western Canada, the Netherlands, the UK. Uh, we have people stopping in from Australia. Uh, we have people who are confirming that it's not just happening in your own backyard, that the, this is a global phenomenon that we're experiencing. And it's important to deal with a global phenomenon with global cooperation. This is why people are trying to get into climate change summits and have agreements about 
reducing emissions because it, it, it affects everyone. Uh, and, and I, this is so, again, this is why it's so important for me to have all of you stop in and, and have your voice to amplify your voices. Because especially in America, we need to hear that, that this is not, we are not just isolated. This is not just happening here in America. And our actions do affect people in other countries. And America in particular is having a lot of difficulty getting on board with that. And it's very frustrating as an American and just as a citizen of this planet to see the leaders in power not take this seriously um, for the sake of, of profit. There's a few people in our government that are put, gumming up the gears for their own profits. I'm looking at you, Joe Manchin in West Virginia. Um, but it goes bigger than him. Uh, it, it's, it's been happening for many years. He is a system, a symptom of a much larger problem. Okay. Um, Josie is here. Hello, Josie. Nice to see you. Heartfelt thanks for being you and your wonderful post. Your content is truly valuable from Halsworth, Suffolk's the UK. Well, welcome, my friend. More friends from across the pond. And, and Janet is also saying we're in it together. I agree. I am very much into unifying as a global community and getting away from this false patriotism and this false sense of nationalism. It's okay to be proud of your country. It's not okay to, to be isolated to the point where you don't respect other people's sovereignty. Uh, so I, I'm going to keep saying that. Thank you, Remco, so much for your super sticker. I really appreciate you and your support. And again, I hope that, that it's, you find peace wherever you're at. All of you, I hope you find peace. There's a couple ways we can deal with these types of aspects. Let's, let's circle back to the astrology here, right? Or I'll be here for hours, <laughs> four hours. Um, in this industry, I guess you could call it, the astrological, divinatory, um, spiritual industry, I don't like calling it that um, because it's not how I view myself within it. It's easy to, to look at these aspects and, and fall prey to our fear and to get angry, to get paranoid, um, to point fingers at the other. And I do think that that is very dangerous. Um, and I hope that today, what my, my hope is with this is that is not to stoke fear, is to be aware of the realism that we have to deal with. And then how can we find solutions? How can we restore a sense of equilibrium and balance, mutual respect and cooperation. And I think that, again, I'm seeing a lot of people in, in our community um, doing quite the opposite. And I, again, I, I, I wanna make sure that this type of space here is trying to promote that type of unity. So that's why I'm being so emphatic about that today, because I think we need more voices like that, trying to find solutions, trying to find common ground because we're so divided right now in these echo chambers and it's so easy to fall prey to depression and fear and anxiety around this and and i hope that we can hold space for each other here today all right um but the first step to that the first step to healing trauma is acknowledging it so i i, I i'm totally fine with acknowledging the problems so i want to say that too as astrologers we have to acknowledge the problems before we move forward sometimes we have to sit with it for a little while the solutions do not always come instantaneously and how do we maintain our center while we sit with those challenges is, is important as well okay so a challenging beginning to the month to say the least 
So let's keep moving forward. So that's our first, that's day one. <laughs> we spent 45 minutes on day one. But I think it's important because it's, it's a super important day uh, in the astrological year. And um, it, it is very important to, to realize that this is a, a kind of a game-changing um, aspect potentially. And for all of our sakes, I hope that it is not um, as severe as it could be. And I hope that uh, regardless of what happens, that we're able to, to unify. Uh, Dimphy is here. Welcome, Dimphy from Netherlands as well. Thank you for joining us today. I love your little four-leaf clover. We could use some good luck and good fortune today. All right, so when we move forward one day here to August the 2nd, now, now we see the sun move into the second decan of Leo. So what does second decan Leo mean? If, if we're fighting for, uh, you know, in a competition in the first decan and potentially wearing a new mask or a new persona, this is something Austin Coppock talks about in 36 Faces, is, and I'll, I'll stop my share for a minute here and talk about second decan of, of Leo real quick, if that's okay with all of you. Uh, so in this decan, we're, we're kind of, uh, everybody's on equal footing and equal ground, and they're in this competition. It's sort of a mock battle right? Like any sporting contest would be. But here, we're finally getting to the point where we've, we've achieved a victory. We've established who we are. We say, this is who we are. This, we're, we're now more comfortable just being ourselves. In the first decade of Leo, if you've got placements there, you may be trying some new things on, but it may be a little uncomfortable. That's a Saturn ruled decade. So you may feel at a certain point in your life, you were denied the ability to shine your light and you had to really work for it. Okay. Second decade of Leo is ruled by Jupiter. Uh, it's very expansive. It's very like celebratory. Uh, it is called the Lord of Victory in the Book T and the Book of Toth. Um, it's represented by this Six of, of Wands card where we see a figure returning home from the battle uh, with his community in, in a victorious parade after, after going to war with the spoils of war, whatever it was. And now they're returning home to celebrate and give a sacrifice to Zeus. That's important. It's It's trying to honor Zeus in that role as well. So uh, the interesting thing about the second decan of Leo is it is associated with a sephira or an energetic kind of uh, almost like a chakra energy center. Um, I guess that's the best way I could describe it on the, on the Kabbalistic tree of life with Tiferet. Uh, and this is Tiferet is, is a solar uh, sort of place in the tree. It's, it's a very center. It's related to the heart. It's related to balance and harmony. So anytime we have like a middle decan, we have a harmony of the energies of that particular sign. Uh, and then this one in particular, all the sixes are related to that Tiferet, the balance, the heart of the tree of life. So this may be a time was after we get through this challenging first couple of days, last couple of days of July, first day of August, maybe we're starting to figure out how we're going to bring things into harmony. Maybe we're figuring out how we're going to band together to create a victory after the challenge, after the, the, the shakeup, right? Um, so what do you need to do to come into alignment with your authentic self? How can you make what you believe and feel in your heart come into balance with who you are on the outside and your external expression? That doesn't mean that you have to run roughshod over people in your community. It doesn't mean you have to like be aggressive about saying, oh, this is me, and, you know, blah, 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 like, uh, really, the, the, the balanced way of doing that is saying, here I am, uh, I'll let you be you, you let me be me, if you like it, cool, let's have a party, let's have a, a parade, <laughs> you know, 
Uh, if not, uh, let's you can go your way and I'll go mine, right? Um, so, yeah, it's it's a difficult time for for Leo uh, placements right now. I think, especially with Saturn in Aquarius and the the new Jupiter Saturn conjunction in Aquarius, a lot of the times the times that we are in are calling for cooperation and really kind of sometimes subjugating our own needs for the for the needs of the group and that makes it really difficult for self-expression sometimes now that doesn't mean that we should completely eliminate our individuality and homogenize ourselves to the point where we don't know who we are anymore that's that's our biggest challenge i think is how do we maintain our sense of sovereignty and individuality within times that really call for cooperation and call for you know, maybe, you know, delayed gratification and things like that. It's not an easy answer. I, as a Leo rising, I don't, it's a hard thing to answer sometimes. Um, but I think that talking about it really helps. Uh, so the other thing that we're experiencing with second decan of Leo is we have a, a cross holiday uh, called Lunasad, or uh, there's other relationships called, or days called Lamas. And this is a pagan holiday where they, they have kind of the first harvest. It's a feasting holiday with ritual, ritual athletics, mountain climbing. So we've got here, we got the, the athletics theme coming in with Leo. Generally, the Olympics are held, the Summer Olympics are held around this, this period of time as well. I remember, I don't know if this was last year, two years ago. Like, time is strange now in the pandemic, but uh, we had the Olympics in 2021, right? Because they were supposed to be in 2020, and then they got delayed. That's right. Um, so, so that is a reflection. The Olympic Games is actually a theme that comes up uh, with this decan as well. Remember, the Olympics were originally, uh, you know, born in Greece. So the, the, the laurel that you see here was given to the victor in the early Olympic Games. So that's why we, Austin Kopic will call this a, a crown of laurels. One other thing that is interesting about this, and I'll talk about this more in my Decans of Leo webinar, but there's a... Uh, a concept called Kleos, uh, Kleos Amphitithon, Amphitithon, or Amphitithon, A-P-H-T-H-I-T-O-N, and Kleos is spelled K-L-E-O-S. It basically translates to un undying glory. So there's a pursuit of glory in this uh, where you, you want to be remembered. So maybe there's things that we're doing during this period of time where we're trying to, to, to achieve immortality on some level through being acknowledged for our individual greatness. So that's kind of the, the basic gist of Leo too, the second decan of Leo. So on August the 2nd, Venus makes her sextile, perfects that sextile that I was talking about to Uranus and the North Node and Mars. Okay, so roughly at 18 degrees. So this, you know, maybe we have the shocking event that happens on the first, and then we have to kind of pick up the pieces. We have to figure out where, how we're going to harmonize whatever that new reality is that we're experiencing. Um, again, I don't think that we should be too afraid of it. We shouldn't like fear monger, but we should be vigilant. This is something that I've been trying to practice is how can I be realistic about the challenges that we're facing? be vigilant and cautious, which is, I think the deer is speaking to us about that too. We, a deer doesn't just rush into a situation. A deer is, is using all of its senses. It's using those giant ears. It's using its nose. It's using those big eyes to see if there's any threats 
uh, to sniff out whether there's predators around. And then once the, the coast is clear to, to engage and to walk into the, the space that, that they're trying to graze in. So this may be what is required of us too, is like taking those little baby steps rather than just rushing into a situation, quote unquote, guns blazing, sorry for a bad reference with all the things going on. Um, it, just patience and, and really getting a sense of what is required of us first. Again, when we are faced with a crisis, we, sometimes we have to take immediate action, but other times we need to center ourselves so that the actions that we do take are more in alignment with what would be effective rather than, than just this chaotic, um, you know, inefficient use of our energy, this spreading of our energy in all different directions that if we had taken some time to compose ourselves first, we would have been much more effective. And I think that that's what I'm looking at, at on August the 2nd here. Um, you know, things I could think about, like if there is, if, if heaven forbid, there is some kind of natural disaster issue, this could be the time where we're discussing relief funds, um, you know, some, something good coming to the challenging uh, circumstance, assistance after that shocking event, potentially. And that we are going to have to mobilize if, if, if things continue to happen with the, the way that the, the earth is changing right now. We're going to have to mobilize to help each other out in some of those emergency situations. All right, I'm looking through the chat here. Uh, Kate says, the, on the optimistic side, Uranus, Mars, and North Node could be Venusian epiphanies, invention, grinding through research and bringing it to light. I like that, Kate. Yeah, I, I think that Uranus, especially in Taurus, is it's really asking us to have new insights in the way that we utilize our resources. Um, Uranus is changing the way that we deal with currency. It's changing the types of currency exchanges that we have. Um, it's probably changing the way that we view supply chains and all those things. And hopefully, by, by shaking us out of our, of our old ruts and our old, uh, maybe lethargic, you know, states, we'll be able to figure out something that will be in alignment with the Tao, in alignment with this organism called Gaia, uh, in alignment with the Earth and working with it in cooperation rather than um, trying to dominate it or work against it. Uh, and, and yeah, I think that, that there could be some really great flashes of insight that come through that. And I hope that there is. I hope that we will heed that call and respond to the challenges uh, rather than just ignore them. Okay, let's move forward. So we get to the August the 4th. And on August 4th, you can see that Mercury is now moved into Virgo. So here is Mercury leaving Leo, leaving the last decan of Leo, and uh, you know, leaving that tension with the opposition with Saturn and moving into its, its home uh, sign, its domicile, and its exaltation. This is the only planet that has a both domicile and exaltation in the same sign. Um, and so Mercury is really powerful in Virgo. So this is something where our, our analytical abilities, our practical um, organizational abilities are really enhanced. This is a great time to learn a new skill. This is a, a great time to be a student. Uh, if, if we are uh, willing to humble ourselves and be a beginner again, we can utilize the energy of this Mercury. Th that Deccan, and I'll talk about it later on in the show, but that Deccan is related to the Eight of Pentacles where we see an apprentice of an advanced age. Uh, 
willing to work on their craft. This actually, if Janet's still here, this reminds me of Janet Goodspeed working on her talismans uh, at her workbench, right? Um, I wonder, Janet, if you have any uh, Mercury or if you have any Virgo one placements in your chart. Um, but this this could be like uh, being willing to just kind of do the the mundane physical work that's necessary to to achieve something great. Uh, really, the 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 I think the the main purpose of Virgo is to pass on a legacy. Okay, I think it's 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 something where we're taking spirit and essence and infusing it into form. And to do that, we have to be skilled. We have to know how the tools work. We have to know how the the torches work. We have to know how the hammers work. We, yeah, so Janet says that their lot of fortune is in the first second of Virgo. So perfect. So so that's a, that's 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 great. I always love it when, <laughs> when those things work out. Um, so yeah, how can you utilize the resources you have at your disposal um, and be willing to examine the process okay oftentimes we have to figure out what is the right process to get us from point a to point b so we might have to 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 change the way we do something we have to might learn a new system um it may not be the most glamorous work but if we commit to it daily we show up for our art we show up for whatever project that we are trying to work on day by day and we learn the right skills we'll be successful so I think that this is a, a, I'm really excited about this movement. I think this may release a little bit of the pressure of the beginning of the month, although we are still uh, in the midst of some challenging astrology. Okay. And I'll talk more about Virgo 1 as we get to the sun moving into that Deccan. So a lot of the things that I'll talk about then will apply to, to Mercury moving through here. So... When we move forward from August 4th to the 5th, we are going to see a first quarter moon, okay? So here is the sun at 13 degrees of Leo, squaring the moon at 13 degrees of Scorpio. And it's not exact here on the, I'll, I'll move the chart since I'm, my Virgo placements are like, it isn't exact. <laughs> there. Oh, I screwed up my, okay, I'll get my circles back here. So there you go. We've got the, the sun at 13 degrees of Leo and the moon at 13 degrees of Scorpio. So this, this square, remember the first quarter squares, according to Dane Rudyar, are these kind of crisis moments. And here, this is the crisis of bringing something into material form. What is fascinating about this relationship between these two luminaries at this point is that the sun is in its own domicile it has access to all its own resources but the moon is in its fall the moon is not happy in this place so we may really be wanting to express ourselves we may be really wanting to find an outlet for this authenticity but the moon is making it challenging uh, it, the moon is requiring here um, figuring out how to deal with the relationships that are very closely merged with one another. The second decan of, of Scorpio is related to that Six of Cups card. There's some nostalgia in that card. Think of it as the setting sun, um, where we're, we're merged together in relationships that we have a lot of maybe fond memories of, but, but we may be putting those memories into a relationship that is 
needing to be composted, that's needing to be moved on from. So th there's, and as the moon is going to, you know, on that day, it's going to oppose Uranus and Mars too. So there may be some, some shakeups as, as far as how we're dealing with our own sense of codependency and how do we get to the point of interdependency or individuality and the expression of individuality. Because remember this, this new moon cycle that this quarter square is related to is the first decade of Leo, where we're trying to establish our new sense of self, a new role in the world. So you know, inevitably, when we try to establish a new role, it's going to bump into the expectations that people have had of us you know, in our previous role. So that's something to think about. And the moon is going to be conjoining the south node here. So we're going to have to release some of those expectations about our relationship roles. Um, and I will say too, the south node is in this Deccan, which, which we've seen many planets going through the bending of the nodes. And Venus is going to take her turn over the course of this month. Or we're moving away from, you know, toward, we're moving, let me, let me think about it and collect my thoughts for a second. The planet is requiring changes and choices that are moving us towards reducing interdependence and codependency with others. Does that make sense? So the south node decreases things. So we're decreasing things in the Scorpio area of our chart, our, our merged, emotional, emotionally merged relationships. And we're increasing our material independence with Taurus North Node and things of that nature. So it's, it's, it's painful. I mean, Scorpio is a Mars-ruled house. It's, sometimes it feels like a battle. Sometimes it feels... Uh, there's grief associated with it. So I think that there could be a little bit of grief here. Now, the sun is on a fixed star called uh, Acubens, which is related to mm, viewing life as sacred. It was a fixed star in Cancer the Crab, but it's, because of procession, it's now in Leo. So it's related to the, this, this kind of immortality, viewing all life as sacred. Uh, the moon is pretty close to a fixed star called Alfeca uh, here as well which is really status that was gifted to uh, a princess that eventually <laughs> became painful. So, and she was abandoned and, and then eventually rescued by a god. So one of the lessons I feel with Alfeca is, one, be careful what you wish for. Two, um, there may be a relationship that seems great, but if we let that one go, something better may eventually come along. And it may be painful and we may feel some trauma around it, but ultimately it may lead us to, to uh, something better or something that we're supposed to be in alignment with rather than this other thing that isn't really giving us life. And I'm, I'm referring to the story of Theseus and Ariadne, where the Ariadne helped Theseus through the, the maze of the Minotaur and went off with him on his ship and eventually he, was, he abandoned her and she was rescued by the god Dionysus. Something to meditate on. Um, one other thing about that decan of Scorpio, and I won't spend too much longer on it, but there is a daimon there called Leo, Leto, who was the, the mother of Apollo and Artemis, who was pursued and tortured by Hera because Leto was a mortal that had mated with, excuse me, with Zeus. Uh, and Hera was always very jealous of Zeus's paramours. And Hera sent a giant python after Leto and basically wouldn't give her any shelter. 
wouldn't give her any space to relax and, and just grow her babies in her, in, her, in her womb. So there may be some challenges where we feel like we're, we're not, we don't belong anywhere, right? That's one of the challenges when we take on a new role is where do we belong? Where do we feel as home? Where can we get a sense of peace and oasis? So that may be challenging around this time too. Um, at the end of that myth, Leto's sister, uh, who had turned into an island, gave her a shelter. So maybe look to people that are like, look to our siblings, maybe perhaps, or, or people that we consider siblings or play that role in our life, whether they're blood relatives or not. We might be able to have some people that help us through this challenging time. Okay, so that's the square. Uh, individual victories versus intimate unions, codependency, trying to individuate, uh, a need to compromise potentially, nostalgia interfering with moving forward towards victory. So we will keep on rolling. Everybody doing okay? Thank you so much for being here with me today. I love going on these epic marathon journeys with you. It's fun. This is sort of some of my social time as well as, as maybe pathetic as that sounds, but I, I'm a bit of a recluse and a hermit. So getting to talk with you all of today is, is always, it's always fun having this interaction with people. I, I miss, I miss people. The pandemic's been hard not being able to connect with people in person as much as I would like. Um, but it is nice that we're at least having this, these, uh, you know, virtual connective times as well. So one thing I will say about August the 7th is uh, August the 7th is a pretty big day. This is one of the, there's a couple big days in the month where a lot of things happen. We've got the 7th, uh, the 11th, and then I, I would say the 27th is another day that's really intense. So multiple aspects happening on August the 7th. The first thing I'll point out is that the moon is out of bounds. So the moon's hanging out on Antares at about 9 or 10 degrees of uh, Sagittarius, which is already a very intense placement. Um, so be very careful about the intensity of your emotions. Antares is the heart of the scorpion, which, uh, you know, some of the things to avoid, according to Bernadette Brady, are inappropriate intensity. Okay, so, so be careful on this day regards to that. Uh, this is also the day where we have our Mars-Saturn square. Okay, so there's Mars at 22 degrees of Taurus, Saturn at 22 degrees of Aquarius. Okay, so there's our square. And then also, we have a trine between Venus and Neptune. So look at all this jigsaw jazz and jamboree handouts that we have here. Maybe I'll do a different shape for that. How about a square? Although, no, here, just for all of you that have OCD like me, there's a, there's a square for uh, Mars and Saturn. And then we'll do a little circle for a trine. I don't have any triangles, right? Here is Neptune and Venus, okay? And remember, the moon is out of bounds, so what should we do? Let's do this weird thing here. Oh, there we go. <laughs> you like the little, his is, I'm Virgoing out here, but... Uh, if you're watching on the screen, I've got circles and squares 
shady squares. <laughs> so these are the aspects on August the 7th. Um, quite, quite an active day uh, and quite an active energy leading up to this, these, this day as well. So one thing to remember as I'm talking about these things is we're not just going to feel this on the day that the aspect perfects. We're going to feel it in the, the few days leading up to it too. Traditional astrologers would say that a, an aspect is you know beginning to become aware of one another at various stages, but most intensely around a three-degree application. So, okay, so let's start breaking this down. First of all, moon out of bounds. You know, near Antares, you may be feeling very intense. You may be feeling scorpionic. Um, you it, and it may be related to the body. It, it happens at nine degrees specifically of Sagittarius, which is still first decan Sagittarius. Um, there is a spirit in that decan called Loimos, which is the god of plague. Uh, so I, I wonder if there's some some things with coronavirus that come out around this period of time as well. Uh, but that can also be related to contagious enthusiasm. We may have some some passionate enthusiasm that we want to share with others or that we want to express. Um, and we have to be careful about the intensity of that expression on this day. Um, but let's talk about the difficult one first with Mars and Saturn. And then we'll talk a little bit about how Venus and Neptune may be helping this a little bit. All right. So Mars and Saturn, we've got Mars at 22 degrees of Taurus, third deck in Taurus, Saturn at 22 degrees of Aquarius, uh, third decan of Aquarius. In the tarot, we have the seven of pentacles and the seven of swords facing off with one another. The seven of swords, or so let's start with the seven of pentacles, sorry. Seven of pentacles is really uh, a decan that is about dealing with the forces of nature. It's, it's dealing with uh, rashness, rash actions, and then the repentance that comes afterwards. The, it's sort of, uh, T. Susan Chang thinks a lot about this Deccan as uh, evaluating our previous efforts and making changes. Like if we regret some of the actions that we took, then we have to make some changes. It's, it's awaiting the results of our, uh, the, the labor that we've done as well. The third Deccan of Aquarius is more about, um, it, is, it is called unstable effort. And it's really about kind of, finding plan B, <laughs> like if, if the third decade, if the third decade of Leo is more about standing your ground and saying, this is who I am and I'm going to fight to be me and I'm going to, I've got the high ground. This, the third decade of Aquarius is like, you don't have the high ground anymore. You better figure out an alternate way to do something. It may be time to go and it may be time to sneak away in the night. Take, take what you've gained, what you've learned, leave behind what no longer serves you and figure it out. So when these planets are squaring off in those decans, and, and I did the research I did, I went all the way back to, well, first of all, the last square we had in just these signs alone was the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol back in 2021. So, so I'll just, there, there is, there's that. But I went back to find when these were squaring off in these particular decans, and I had to go all the way back to 1934. 1934 was in the middle of the Great Depression and in the middle of this, you know, this uh, great drought, okay? Like in May of 1934, there was just no rain anywhere. A lot of farmers, as we've been talking about farming here today, 
a lot of farmers had moved into the Great Plains um, with hopes of, of, you know, gaining great wealth, not completely understanding the soil composition there and, and the, the, the circumstances of that climate. We didn't have all the fancy technology that we have now uh, as far as scientific, you know, applications and farming. They just kind of went, planted some stuff and, you know, said, oh, well, I hope it works out. And a lot of the times it didn't. And what happened there in 1934 is that we had 650 million tons of topsoil started to be blown around the Great Plains. 650 million tons of topsoil. And we had these great huge dust storms that moved 2,000 miles east to New York and basically blotted out the sun and made the Statue of Liberty disappear at one point. Um, it was a very difficult time. There was a lot of food insecurity. Um, we were already in a difficult economic time around this period of time. And it was through forces of nature that weren't necessarily you know, people's fault and they had to deal with it, right? That's, so this is the third decade of, of Taurus. You know, sometimes shit goes wrong when you're gardening, when you are farming. Um, and it's not your fault. You've, you've done everything that you can do. Sometimes the weather just shifts. Now, we can make the argument now that the challenges we're, we're experiencing now are generally due to human activity. And then we have to accept that and acknowledge that and try to fix that. But often, other times, there are times where just sometimes it's just a bad season. Okay? Regardless of whatever we're dealing with there, the potential, I think, with this aspect is for really challenging weather events and uh, you know this this i'm pretty i feel pretty good about as a prediction i don't feel good about it but i feel confident in making that prediction because we're already experiencing it these things don't happen in a vacuum we're we've been already experiencing some of the, of the worst heat that we've had in many many years in a lot of places that heat is creating extreme drought we could see a repetition of some of those dust bowl type of experiences, giant windstorms, you know, dust, all these things, general food insecurity on some level. You know, on, on a more technical level, just with Mars and Saturn, uh, Mars is fast. It wants to move quickly. Saturn wants to move slowly. So you can think of this as a foot on the gas foot on the brakes type of experience where you want to move forward with something. You want to redeem the past. You want to redeem the mistakes that you've made maybe with Mars moving through this decan of Taurus. But Saturn in the third decan of Aquarius is saying, well, let's see what we've learned first. Let's, let's think about this <laughs> rather than do it, right? And it may require Saturn's in the overcoming position. That means that it is earlier in the Zodiac. So the pressure is going to be Saturn is going to be exerting that onto Mars. We may be wanting to move forward, but Saturn is going to be slowing everything down to a halt and to a, a standstill. And that's one of our hexagrams is standstill. So this might be part of what we're experiencing here. All right. So um, extreme frustration, hasty actions and hubris when we're relating to the third decan of Taurus that are meeting idealistic limitations in the third decan of Aquarius with Saturn. Uh, forces of nature causing us to question whether we should stay or go. One of the other things that happened in the 1934 Dust Bowl was there were great migrations from those Great Plains states to the coast. 
there was there was I believe many people from Oklahoma in particular went out to California and had a really difficult time. I believe that there was a nickname for them called Okies, and they were treated really poorly. Um, we may see more people migrating to different places that are becoming in inhospitable. I know a lot of people from the West Coast right now are pretty tired of of wildfires every summer and are moving to you know the East Coast, the Midwest. We have a lot of people in my home state of Michigan that have been coming from those places. So we may have great migrations and things of that nature. Um, I'm just going to time out here and say thank you to Josie for the super sticker. I really, I really appreciate that. Um, thank you for being here today and for your, your generosity. I really appreciate you. Uh, so this is a, one of the more difficult aspects in astrology in general, Mars square, Mars square Saturn. Um, it's painful. It feels like we're struggling, you know, in a birth canal type of thing. Um, we want to move forward, but we have to slow down. Um, we're dealing with hardship. These are the two malefic planets in traditional astrology. Uh, and in this case, Saturn is in a much stronger position. Mars is in its exile. Saturn is in its home domicile, even though it is retrograde. It's, we, I think if we're going to unlock the challenge here, it's leaning into Saturn, leaning into long-term, leaning into idealistic solutions uh, that will, you know, like new laws, like new ways of dealing with climate change, banding together, getting, uh, delaying gratification, doing what is necessary for the collective, not just necessarily for our personal desires. So it, it, not an easy time. Uh, not an easy time. And, and the other thing I will point out is that this is the first quarter square of the Mars-Saturn conjunction that happened at 22 degrees of Saturn or of Aquarius uh, on the 5th of April earlier this year. So Saturn is retrograding back to that time. So take a look at the, the early April to see what you were dealing with at this time. And you may have something that comes up in relationship to this. I know for me personally, my daughter was dealing with some health issues. She had a nasty, nasty kidney stone that required uh, surgery around this period of time. And then shortly later, my mom passed away. So, you know, think about what was going on <laughs> for you at that period of time. Um, and there may be some, some themes that are recurring around that. Uh, all right. So I think that's what I've got for this Mars-Saturn square. I've got some great comments coming in here. Uh, Henry is here from Kentucky. Nice to see you, Henry, if I'm remembering that correctly. Uh, when does the moon leave out of bounds? Asking as my solar return is later that day. Well, happy birthday, Henry. Oh my goodness, you're gonna have a <laughs> crazy solar return chart, my friend. Um, the moon will be out of bounds from August the 7th through August the 10th. So you've got three days worth of, of out of boundsness. Um, on that, but this wow, you got a you got an interesting year coming up, my friend. You know, <laughs> but yeah, patience, patience is the key, I think, with this with this chart. Uh, let's see. Raven said that's also how I go about gardening, <laughs> right? Yeah, we uh, <laughs> we all have a learning experience with gardening for sure. Um, yeah, Raven's saying they they look forward to these lives as social time. Yeah, I, I, this is why I love doing this. I mean, I, I think we're 
a lot of us are not alone in this feeling of isolation lately. And if I can just provide even just a, a few hours of, you know, just giving you all a platform for your voices to be heard and to be seen and feel seen, um, that's, that to me is so valuable. And I, I want to create that, that container for all of you. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Remco says Seven of Swords is the yes but card for me. Having an idea and internally making counter arguments, Saturn might say, okay, but what will you endure in the long run? Yeah, I like that, Remco. I think that, yeah, it's a, like I said, plan B is important with that. The first option isn't always going to work out with, with, with that Deccan. Sometimes we will be honored for leaving something behind. I always think of the story of the Olympics last year where Simone Biles, a gymnast, there was a, a, a belief that she was, um, we had a, I believe the Olympics started with like a full moon in this Deccan. And uh, I think that we had Saturn and Jupiter moving through this Deccan also, at least Jupiter. And she was honored for her ability to say, you know what, I'm just not in a good headspace. I'm not ready to compete. I just need to sit out. So that that was the right thing for her at the time because it was dangerous due to what she was going through mentally um, with the twisties to compete. So there may be something where we just have to kind of take a time out and say, you know what, this isn't working. We're not going to keep trying to defend this untenable position. I think that's another, <laughs> this is what we see with the climate change thing. We have all these corporations that are trying to defend the right to do things the way that they've always done that have made them profits over the fact over the, the the need of the people just to have clean air and uh you know climate climate temperatures to live within and fresh water and food um and i think that that's a it's something that's a hard lesson when we have a, a, a very select few that are, are making it difficult for the rest of us we have to kind of figure out what the solution is to that rachel is here hello rachel hello and rachel says hey spencer hey friends Sorry to be so late. The August party, glad to be here. Sunflower emoji, the perfect emoji for this one. Yeah, that's what I put that in my promo today. Uh, Amara is joining us from beautiful and hot New Jersey. Amara, nice to see you. I've enjoyed talking with you. Amara, it's nice to see you again. Um, let me see. Okay. Oh, wow. Henry is... I am, I am becoming the Dust Bowl. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're in one of those plain states there, Henry. Uh, a lot of, he says, a lot of this New Year's placements over this year, though, yeah. Um, well, you'll get through it, Henry. And you know what? Yeah, we'll, we'll be here for you. If you need, if you need a, a place to, to uh, an oasis in the dusty, <laughs> the dusty challenges of, of a really difficult solar return, um, you can lean on this Venus-Neptune trine this year okay with good sense of community let's talk about that real quick here what, what a transition that was right <laughs> like, um so we've got venus on the fixed star procyon at around 25 degrees of cancer and this decan is is you know represents excess like we've we've satiated our desires and we're now we're figuring out what do we do with our excess right how do we maybe uh share what we've grown to fruition um, Procyon is a fixed star that's sort of related to temporary successes and, and like, like fireworks displays. I'm thinking that's just a, a metaphor that I have for Procyon that I've learned from Bernadette Brady, where it's kind of like a temporary success that isn't, it's sort of ephemeral. So with Venus on Procyon, it might be like a, a temporary fad or a temporary fashion type of thing, a temporary oasis on some level. 
and it, it is making that trying to to Neptune. Um, so we may have we may have a desire for luxury or extravagance that, and we may have the illusion that we are working with abundance, uh, but in reality we've, we're dealing with this very intense Mars Saturn square. So we have to kind of wake up, I think, with this this Venus Neptune uh, kind of aspect here in water signs. Although I think that it's important to figure out how we can share our excesses. When is enough enough, right? When have we had enough that we say, we don't need to take anymore. We don't need to buy anymore. We don't need to, this is, this is maybe we can you know, make the, the CEOs of these giant companies be like, how, mu- how many billions of dollars is enough where you've had enough, you know? And um, what are we willing to sacrifice to, to, to make uh, a new reality? This is what we've got with, with Neptune in the third decan of Pisces. Is it's really about the, the crusade of what we're willing to sacrifice to bring something into our vision, our dream into reality with the Ten of Cups card there. Okay, it's a Mars ruled decan that it does require sacrifice, but it's wild swings of emotions. But be careful of mirages around this period of time because we're in a really difficult um, circumstance right now. Okay, okay, okay. So that is August the 7th, quite an intense day. Let's move forward to August the 9th. August the 9th, Venus, after making its trine to Neptune, starts to make an opposition to Pluto. All right, so you can see here at about 26 degrees of Cancer, there it is. We've got that opposition uh, perfecting. So similar themes I was talking about with Venus, still in that third decan of Cancer, you know, having an abundance of resources to the point where you're just like, I've had too many ice cream floats, you know, I, I'm full. If I eat anymore, I'm going to get sick and I'm just not, I'm dissatisfied with with vanilla ice cream now or something, or I've had too many hot dogs at the, the county fair or something. If I eat another one, I'm just going to explode. Now that energy comes into contact with, with Pluto in the third decan of Capricorn, which is uh, a decan that I've, I've related to King Midas in the past, where you have a figure in the four of pentacles that is holding on tightly to resources. So there may be a real challenge around uh, knowing that we have more than we need versus coming into contact with the systems in place that, that are uh, set up for you know, consolidating wealth in a very small faction of people, maybe even within ourselves where we have hoarding instincts, where we may fear letting go of our excesses because we've experienced scarcity in the past. There's always themes of scarcity versus luxury in that third decan of cancer um, where Venus is hanging out. Um, so this may be something where i i guess i sometimes i always like to tell stories with this think about it like this the the venus neptune aspect may be like i'm really sad about the state of the world right now i just want to go have some retail therapy right i want to go buy something that i really can't afford that's luxurious that makes me feel good again and then you buy it and you're like oh shit i've overspent my budget the reality check comes in of like the corruption that that comes from not having the material resources that I need, the credit card bill comes due, and you're having to deal with the fallout from that. 
And so, so this is a, just a one example of how that could play out in people's lives. So just, just be careful with overindulging in things because it could lead to some real difficult conversations in your relationships in particular. This Venus-Pluto um, opposition also could cause us to want to exert power in relationships in an unhealthy fashion uh, through potentially manipulation, um, passive aggressiveness. There could be jealousy and, and betrayal that comes up with this particular aspect. So it's very important to be honest up front um, try not to be underhanded about how you deal with things. In the collective, we could see um, potentially feminine figures um, related to, uh, I don't know, challenging underhanded system, systemic things. I don't know exactly how that could play out, but uh, you can use your imagine, imagination. Um, we'll see. We'll see what, what happens. This is, a, this is a, a little bit of a challenging aspect where we have the Four of Cups facing off with the Four of Pentacles. All right. So Dimphy says, natal Venus at 26, Cancer in the second house, maybe an abundant bean crop. Well, I hope so for you, Dimphy. Try not to eat too many of them if you get beans. Sh share, your, share your abundance and uh, <laughs> pick all the worms out of it, right? <laughs> or whatever, if there's any bugs in there. Uh, Lynn also has a Venus at 26 Cancer. Well, your Venus return will be an interesting one, Dimphy and Lynn. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kate says, if ice cream is my problem, I'll count myself doing okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and yeah, I think I'd be happy with a good bean crop too, Lynn. Um, if that's the, the, the least of your problems that day, is just overdoing it a little bit with the ice cream floats, then yeah, probably not the worst thing in the world. But there will be some of us who are dealing with some pretty intense uh, relationship challenges as well that may, may be a little funky. So just keep an eye out for that as well. And again, be kind to people. That's, that's really the, the way to get around some of those issues. If, if, if some of the corruption is bubbling up from that we've repressed in the systems of our life, you know, a lot of the times a little, a little kindness, a little patience, can go a long way to, to making sure that we transition into something, um, you know, more healthy. All right, so that is the August the 9th. Let's keep on moving along here. Hope you're all doing okay out there. Remember to hit the like button on this video if you're just joining us and subscribe to the channel and to the email list. Sign up for a reading if you need some help during these challenging times. My books are open. I'm always happy to work with all of you, whether it's in a tutoring capacity or doing a reading. I do natal readings. I do transit readings. I do fixed star and tarot stuff, like all sorts of good things. I really enjoy working with you. So I um, would love to, to uh, do that more at the end of the summer here. So let's look at August the 10th. So the August 10th and 11th is another very active period. So we, we have on the 10th, the sun is at the bending of the nodes, all right? So this is, again, we've got, let's say the sun is roughly at 18 degrees of Leo. It's not exact in my video here, but you get the idea. And we've got the nodes at 18 Taurus and 18 Scorpio. And the sun is right at, is squaring both of those nodes. Now this is a 
a, a crossroads, okay? We're going from a point of, we're moving away from the increase of material resources or dealing with a new material organizational system uh, and, and really an independence as well. And, and uh, we're moving oh, to, we're starting to move towards a need to, to deal with our past um, merged codependent relationships. So there's probably some, some discussions that happen with the, the sun at the bending of the nodes, the south bending of the nodes of the moon, where we're trying to establish our own sense of authenticity, our own sense of integrity. We have already kind of put some things in motion to, to support ourselves, uh, maybe financially. And now we're, we're going to have to deal with the letting go part uh, of coming to that independence. Um, you know, just a little challenge I've been experiencing in my household. I have, a, I have a daughter that's going off to college and she's trying to figure out how to be an adult. And there's, you know, when you have a cancer dad, it's hard to sometimes let go. And there's some, there's some conflict every once in a while about figuring out independence and things like that. And we're working through it as a family, but uh, this August, my daughter's going to be going off to college. Um, so a lot of this, for me, I'm looking at these and like, oh, wow, that's for me. I'm probably going to be dealing with the coming to terms with the empty nest and, and getting, you know, kind of separating the, the emotional um, bond, bond on some level, maybe not completely right but uh when you have someone that lives in your home and is in your little covid bubble here and then they're leaving there's all sorts of new negotiations and and challenges around that so there could be circumstances like that that come up in your life around this period of time as well uh we've got some kate is saying 17 is my ascendant spencer so i approve of this message well good so you are going to be experiencing, I wonder, are you experiencing something similar? Do you, do you have, uh, Kate, do you, do you have some relationships in your life that are uh, in your family? And maybe you can confirm this, Kate. Is there anybody that where you're kind of trying to loosen the grip of a, of a very, very bonded emotional relationship and maybe release some of the nostalgia around who that person was in the past versus who they are now? This is the hardest thing about being a parent sometimes is we always can view our children as those little vulnerable babies, five-year-olds, eight-year-olds, 12-year-olds. We, we can see all those stages and trying to relate to them in the, their, their present form can be difficult sometimes because we, we, sometimes we can hold on tightly to that idealistic you know, vision of who they were and it can make it hard to relate to them and who they are now, especially when they don't need us anymore as much, right? It's as a cancer person, this it's hard. We we thrive on nurturing and being needed and things like that. So uh, be extra kind to your Cancerian astrologer in the next month because his little baby is growing up and leaving the nest. <laughs> so so uh, you know, be extra nice to me this month because I'm going through it. Um, yeah, Kate says, yeah, not just family, but others from the past as well. And, and Nat is also a 17-degree Leo ascendant. So we've got our Leo risings here are going to be really feeling this uh, personally. Whenever you have these aspects in, in angular houses, 1, 7, 4, and 10, it will be more personal. 
So whatever you have a, a new moon, a full moon, an eclipse in those in those uh, houses, big changes are happening to you personally, rather than if they were in adjacent houses, sometimes they'll happen to neighbors or friends or people in your community. Um, but these angular houses, you, you feel it, okay? Um, okay. So bending of the nodes, finding a new identity that is more of an authentic expression of who you are in the present versus who you were in the past, heading towards a release of those those old relationships that really aren't a reflection of who you both are now and kind of getting out of this mutual distillation that can can sometimes be toxic when you're too wrapped up and too involved in each other's lives uh, sometimes getting a little bit of healthy distance can be good all right when we move forward to the 11th 11th is a pretty active day. This is the day of our full moon, and I'm going to just move it to the full moon here. There's our full moon in Aquarius 2, and of course, we will have uh, Portia Bazani here with me on, on August the 3rd to talk about that full moon, who uh, has some Aquarius placements. Janet Goodspeed's joining me on the 26th of July to talk about the new moon in Leo, who also has some Leo placements, so I always try to kind of get people that have lived some of these things, so it should be interesting. But the, this this new moon, there's a number of things going on on this day. I'm sorry, full moon, full moon, August the 11th, sorry. We have, uh, I'll just give you a preview of this. Again, we'll spend an entire live on the moon itself, the lunation itself. But we've got the moon applying to uh, a conjunction with Saturn. Uh, we have Venus, that is recently ingressed into Leo. Okay, so Venus and Leo joining the sun. Uh, we have Mars on the fixed star Algol and late degrees of Taurus, difficult fixed star. Um, and the sun is going to be making an exact square to Uranus. <sighs> so th this is a culmination of some of the themes we've been working through uh, through the end of July to the beginning of August here, this this trying on new roles, um, you know, trying on new independence and authenticity, and here we have the the fruiting of that cycle, where we have to bring a solution. Okay, the the, seven, the six of swords is also a Tiferet place where we're moving forward. We're moving on. Here you see a, a f two figures being punted across a, a, a river, right? They are trying to move from one experience, one shore to another. So this is a transitionary full moon. This is where we're moving on. We're, we're leaving, you know, the nest. This, I, I know for me personally, this is going to be getting my daughter set up to live in the dorms at college and helping her move move her stuff and get everything she needs to move and like you know i'm wondering what surprises that uranus will bring but hopefully everyone will be able to maintain their their sense of dignity and keep their heads with mars in the third decade of taurus so for you in your personal life there may be a transition that you need to go through around this period of time uh, you may have to ford a great stream you may have to to uh communicate with people both in your circle and people on the periphery, right, of, the, of whatever the new reality is that you're trying to, to enact. 
you may have to do things a little bit differently. It may shake up your routines with that square to Uranus. <clears throat> and then again, you may have to make sure that you are not letting uh, your frustration or your fear uh, cause you to react in an over-emotional way. Okay, this is, this is something where um, that, that Mars on Algol can be pretty dangerous. Remember Medusa, uh, Algol is the blinking eye of Medusa. And remember she, she had her head severed by Perseus. Uh, and with Mars there, that severing quality is, is exacerbated, right? So it may be that our, our anger just bubbles over and we just, we lose that rational capabilities um, with Mars here on Algol. Uh, so you have to you have to be real careful around this period of time. I mean, some positive ways of looking at Algol is is a very protective fixed star. Um, it, it drives away evil, like the evil eye kind of thing. Um, it, it is about feminine power, so we may be trying to express our our latent feminine power, but hopefully we can do that in a healthy way. Um, so lots of different ways to 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 view that, um, but some real themes about transitioning into the new reality and who are we going to be as we move forward. Um, and the moon applying to Saturn, there's some hard realities that we have to come to terms with. We have to untie some of the, the old karmic narratives of the past. We have to let go of the old stories, right? We have to let go of some of the old um, ideals that we had and embrace the, the new versions of ourselves and of each other. Uh, and that's, that's one of the things that I think is real difficult as a human being is accepting change. We want things to stay predictable because it makes us feel safe. And sometimes we have to embrace that, that, that things aren't going to stay the same. And some of the greatest evils that we can uh, do as human beings is trying to keep things uh, the same that are no longer vital forms that no longer vital. We're seeing this in my own country of America, where people are trying to turn back the clock to a past that wasn't ever really vital, uh, but it, trying to turn back to a reality that nobody really wants except for a select few. And there's all sorts of horrific things being perpetrated in the name of uh, trying to keep things the way they were or whatnot, instead of dealing with the reality of what, what needs to happen now. And I'm talking about, you know, body rights, I'm talking about climate change, I'm talking about voting rights, all of these things. All of these things can be attributed to a need to come into alignment with the Tao and the changing tides. And if we only would do that, if we'd only come together in that, this unity, rather than fighting with one another, it would happen so much quicker, and I think there'd be, be a lot easier to find peace, but, you know, not everything worth doing comes easy, so we'll have to navigate these waters as well. Uh, Raven says, I was in a different screen and heard being punted across a river and thought punted, kicking like in football, and I thought, wow, I have to see this. I'm thinking, all I can think of now is like that, uh, those Peanuts cartoons with like Lucy holding the football. And she like pulls it away as Charlie Brown's trying to kick it. And he's like, ah, you, you fooled me again. <laughs> like so, oh boy. All right. All right. So that is the 11th of August. 
with the sun squared Uranus, Venus moving into Leo, you know, where that new role becomes even more attractive, uh, where we're testing out the new self-expression to attract others. Um, and then we've got this, this full moon um, in Aquarius, where we're trying to figure out our self-expression versus the needs of the group. We're having conversations with both the, the people in our own inside group and, and people outside the group, the exiles potentially, insiders and outsiders. We're trying to problem solve a difficult, stubborn situation. And we also have Mars making a sextile to Neptune on this day too. So I think that Mars-Neptune aspects that are harmonious are about going with the flow, not forcing an issue. You know, really trying to come into alignment with the Tao and, and the divine plan and accepting some of the reality, the new realities that we have here. Uh, Galactic Center is stopping in. Uh, Yevgen, nice to see you, friend. Um, partners, Aries Rising, got sick with COVID two days ago. I'm sorry, Yevgen, I'm sorry. You've been going through a lot these last few years here. Uh, my Libra Rising got it from him. Oh, no, the next day, and hope our pets are not getting it. August 1 is near. Well, I'm sorry, Yevgen, I hope that you heal up, my friend, you and your partner. Um, you know, just, uh, I, I don't know what the best treatments are for all of that, um, but just take good care of yourself. Try not to push yourself too hard. Drink lots of water, get a lot of rest. I know that there's some new antivirals that are out there that might be helpful. I don't know a whole lot about all that, but um, just just take good care of yourself, I hope, and I hope you're doing okay, my friend. Um, and yes, that's a great point that people are still getting COVID. I, 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 have to, I don't know why I have to be like, uh, keep saying this, but we're not, the pandemic is not over. Um, there is a very contagious uh, variant called Omicron BA5 that is circulating, that is one of the most contagious diseases that we've ever seen uh, on par with the measles. And we have people that are going about their business unmasked in, in large groups and indoor spaces. And I, for the life of me, I can't understand it. Um, so please be vigilant if you're going out there. Uh, it, this is still a very difficult thing that we're going through. Um, try to enjoy your life, but at the same time, take you know even even basic precautions like wearing a mask indoors when you're around uh, people. Is is I mean I think that's the least that we can do. Just not only for yourself, but to respect some of us that are you know more susceptible to to getting ill. Uh, a lot of people are immune compromised and you'd be doing them a favor too by by masking up and and not putting the burden completely all on them to to have to deal with that those challenges um yeah it's it's not fun i i have friends that have gone through it it is it is it is difficult i, I thank goodness have been able to avoid getting sick uh, at this point and i will say i'm i'm triple vaccinated i've had Two, two shots and a booster, and I'm eagerly awaiting the new BA5 booster shots. Uh, I've been masking everywhere that I go. I really haven't left the house all that much, and I avoid large crowds. So there's a reason why I haven't gotten sick, and it, it, it's some of it's luck, and some of it is being in a very fortunate, privileged position to be able to stay home as much as I do. But other part of it is vigilance and mental discipline and delayed gratification. So again, it's no—it's not necessarily your fault if you've gotten this. It's it, this. This is all of this is just a bitch, and it's hard. It's hard, man. There's a, just a lot going on. So I'm not angry if you've gotten sick, but I do think it's important for us to still um, stay vigilant and do the best we can to to try to um, 
you stay healthy and, and help others to stay healthy as well. And yes, kids are little petri dishes. Kate says it's, it's kids really complicate the issue. And I'm having to figure out some really difficult choices with my daughter going away to school outside of our little bubble and figure out what our, our new systems are going to be to try to stay healthy um, when she comes back to, to home from school. Those are things I don't quite have figured out yet, and I'm a little nervous about it. So uh, everybody stay safe out there. Like I, I'm really, I won't belabor this much longer, but I, I, my argument is this. We don't really know what the long-term ramifications of getting this is going to be. Uh, getting it once does not necessarily make you immune from getting it again. And I hope that we're not creating a mass disabling event where people are having really challenging health issues moving forward. Um, just from my own personal perspective, and this is completely my subjective experience, uh, you know, my mom died of, of a, and basically of an aneurysm that gave her an extreme stroke. And one of the, one of the challenges and the side effects of getting long COVID is, a, is an increased risk of aneurysms and blood clots. And I, I'm here to tell you, it is a really difficult way to end your life having to deal with uh, a stroke and the fallout from that. And I wouldn't wish that on anyone. And I witnessed it firsthand, the, the damage that living with a stroke can, can be and how difficult it is. And I, it's one of the reasons I'm so intense about um, the way that I've been dealing with the pandemic is that I'd rather sit in my house and, and read my books and have my body be able, able-bodied than have to deal with, you know, having a stroke or an aneurysm. So I'll get off my soapbox with that, but I'm just speaking from some experience of witnessing someone I really cared about having to go through really a really difficult time um, from, from a blood clot and an aneurysm and a stroke. And, and the pandemic really made it difficult for, for her to get the, the proper care that she needed after that as well. And that was part of the reason her health really declined. So um, I'll just say it's a, it's a, we've gone through a lot of collective trauma and uh, I hope that you're all doing okay out there. And I know that this has been quite a marathon and an endurance test and we need each other. This is why we need to do things like be together today. Even if we can't get together in person, even if we can't go to a party or, or go to a concert together, uh, we can be here and, and hold space for one another. There are ways to connect. We don't have to be completely isolated. We just have to get innovative. You know, we have to Uranus and Taurus a little bit and recognize that we can still love one another um, even if we're not in each other's physical spaces. I think that that's something that my mom taught me uh, from a very young age, and I hope that you're feeling that love here today. And thank you so much, Yevgen, for your, your donation. You are amazing, and I'm so happy that you're here with us, and I hope that you're feeling better. Okay, yeah, and we've got some people in the audience today that have also had strokes and uh, or had family members that have strokes, and it, yeah, it's, it's not, a fun, not a fun thing to have someone you care about um, dealing with those challenges. And if it, if it can be avoided, if you can reduce your risk of that, I, I highly recommend it. All right. Let's keep going. Let's, we've gone to the reality checks. We've gone through the challenging things. Like I said, we, we don't want to avoid the, the, the acknowledging the trauma and the difficulty we've gone through. But then once we've acknowledged that, how can we, you know, where's the turnaround? Where can we find the hope again? And sometimes it's hard in the moment to find that hope. 
But I think that's important to continue to, to find hope and, and find our humanity within these challenging times. So that was the 11th of August. All right. So th that's the, really the end. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, it's not. We have more. Uh, oh, so, yeah. So that's the end of the, the second decan of Leo Sun. So if we move forward to August the 12th, okay, we're move the sun is moving into the third decan of Leo. And the third decan of Leo, let's, let's stop the share for a minute. And thank you all for, for going on this journey with me today. We're, we're coming to the last third of the show here. So here is the third decan of Leo. This is the seven of wands card, okay? So we're seeing a figure in this green tunic here with mismatched shoes, uh, defending his turf. He has the high ground. He's established his authenticity. He's established his role, maybe his royalty, whatever it is, his integrity. And now the, the, the people he was competing with, with for power are start trying to knock him off of his position. So this is a Mars ruled Deccan. We go from Jupiter to Mars. We have the celebration of the self to like, oh, wow, okay. You think you're so great? Like, we're coming for you type of thing. There's a, there's a humbling that, is, that happens in this, uh, in this Deccan. And it, uh, it's called Valor. This Book T and Book of Toth call this the Lord of Valor, uh, the Seven of Wands. Austin Coppett calls it the Banner. T. Susan Chang says, no guts, no glory. Um, so this is a, a Deccan where we are, you know, digging deep for courage. We're in a really difficult situation. People are coming for us. Are we going to dig deep for the courage, for the heart, to, to prove ourselves once and for all, to have that backbone, to stand our ground, to, to be able to defend our authentic self? Um, we're digging deep for courage. It's all about grit, perseverance, um, ambitious effort. Netzach, the Sephira that this is associated with, is uh, T. Susan Chang talks a lot about eternity and effort with that Deccan or with that uh, Sephira, which is related to Venus. Uh, incidentally, it's kind of weird to think about Venus and effort and eternity uh, and endurance, but uh, she makes some very good arguments about it in her books, which I highly recommend. Uh, so, you know, what what are you fighting for? What what values are you willing to defend? What what are you willing to stand up for? and say, no, this, this is who I am. Sorry, I have to be this. I can't be anything else. This is what we're going through with the sun in the third decan of Leo. Okay, so what, what kind of astrology are we going to be experiencing here? Well, we have to be brave, right? We, we have to, to figure out what values we should defend and what things we need to let go of. Because we have so much stuff moving through Aquarius 3, there's going to be circumstances where our pride might get engaged in circumstances that require us to let go. Okay, this, I've experienced this. This is why it's you know, rough sledding for Leo placements right now because there's a collective need. There's, a big, there's something bigger than us. And a lot of times Leo wants to be acknowledged for their individuality. And when, you know, as we talked about in the beginning of the show, when that individual light is sort of repressed, that's when the shadow Leo comes out and some crazy stuff can happen um, that you want to avoid. And that, that's when you become out of alignment with your integrity. It's okay to be humbled every once in a while if you have Leo placements. In fact, it's necessary and it builds your character. Uh, I've gone through it. I've had many times where 
I thought I was right and I was very, very wrong. And I had to learn the hard way. There are other times where there was a position where I needed to stand up and have courage and defend not only myself, but other people that I cared about. And it took an, ex an exorbitant, uh, you know, Herculean effort. You know, th this um, desperate measures is something that, that T. Susan Chang talks about where your back's against the wall and you've got to you know, fight your way out, you know, and you're like, holy shit, I've got to really step up or something even worse could happen. Uh, and I've gone through that too. Um, and, and many of you probably have in various areas of your life. And you may be tasked with doing that again around this period of time. Okay. So let's take a look at the chart again. I'm looking at the chat. Yeah, Remco says that he has a few friends that have been going through long COVID too. Yeah, not something I would like to deal with. Um, Remco's taken off. Thank you, Remco, for hanging out. Thank you for your super chat. And uh, I hope that you're doing okay and you're healing up well and that, that the Netherlands uh, stays peaceful and that you all are getting through the, the heat as well. So thank you for your time today, Remco. Uh, yeah, it sounds like we've got some other people that are dealing with long COVID issues. Uh, yeah, it's, what strange times. And, and honestly, what hubris to think that we've got it all figured out. If this is, my argument to all of you is that this is changing so quickly that we, what was true even a few months ago is not true now. You know, the original strain of this was not as contagious as the most recent one. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's my, I err on the side of caution because first of all, I'm nervous about the long-term ramifications, but the fact of the matter is, is I'm not a doctor and I'm not a virologist. And I, I, this is a, a fluid situation and fluid situations require vigilance. They require paying attention and flexibility. So just because we were able to get together a little bit more at certain times, maybe if something else comes along, we have to kind of shift our behavior once again. People took the masks off for a while, and now maybe it might be required to put them back on for a little bit. And I know it's exhausting, but we have to be flexible, and we have to be vigilant, and we have to be humble in the face of nature on some level, because this is a, this is a difficult time to get through. Okay, so what are we dealing with astrologically as the sun moves through the third decan of, of Leo? Well, the first thing that we've got is an applying opposition to Saturn. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> so, so this is over the first few days, uh, starting on August 20th and perfecting, on, I'm sorry, starting on August 12th and perfecting on August the 14th or so, 13th or 14th year, the sun will be making an applying opposition to Saturn. Oh, so this may be, this is, so pray for me around this period of time. This is exactly the degrees of my ascendant and descendant. Uh, sorry to make it about me again, but I'm a Leo rising. You ought to just forgive me for doing that every once in a while. I'm trying to make it universal as much as I can. Um, but potentially we could be dealing with uh, inhibited vitality. The sun generally can, can be associated with uh, the light in our life that, that gives us strength and vitality, uh, that gives us clarity. Saturn's represented by darkness, about inhibited vitality. It is related to death. There could be some situations in our life where we're just feeling a, a roadblock, right? We're just, we wanna move forward. We wanna defend our position, but Saturn says, do you really wanna die on this hill? You know what I'm saying? Do you, is it really worth your pride 
to, to, you know, continue to fight. And maybe this is a time where you agree to disagree. Maybe this is a time where certain values you're not going to give up, but other things you need to untie those old narratives. Maybe this is a time to really consider whether this battle is worth fighting for. Okay. So you may be trying to stand your ground in a situation that requires uh, an ego death on some level. So have courage, but maybe it's the courage to release the past. That takes courage too. It takes courage to move on when the forms that we used to give us vitality are no longer doing so. It takes courage to learn the lessons from the past and move towards the future and jump into the unknown. Okay, so, so utilize your valor, your courage, your brave heart to be able to see you through uh, something where you may not know what the, the future may bring. That's, that's one of the most challenging things, isn't it? To be able to take the leap even when we don't know how it's going to turn out. So I think that that's what we could be experiencing with the Sun-Saturn opposition on some level. We also may be having some difficulty with authority figures here. Sun generally representing authority figures and Saturn being the cosmic no, where we get a big, big noki-doki from those in authority, and that may be uh, challenging as well. The other thing that's happening on this day August the 14th, oh, we have a Mars-Pluto trine. So, isn't that fascinating? So at the same time that we've got an opposition between the Sun and Saturn, we've got a positive connection with Mars and Pluto. So Mars and Pluto coming together, generally, regardless of sign, can represent intense willpower, courage, as we've been talking about, determined efforts. And I, I wrote down in my notes, determined efforts to repent or to learn from previous mistakes. Remember the third decan of Taurus has a, a spirit called the Litai, who are the, the old women that hobbled after eight or ruin after rash actions and offered up repentant prayers. So we may be, you know, coming to terms with our limitations and saying, you know what, this isn't working anymore. How do we try something different? How do we, uh, you know, transform Pluto? How do we deal with the things that we've repressed in a healthy way so that we can create new material structures? This may be the death and rebirth struggle that we're going through, you know, in all of our lives where we're trying to figure out how to come to terms with the the new requirements that the present is bringing us rather than getting stuck in the past or getting too afraid of the future. How can we be present and deal with what we need to deal with on this day? Mars and, and Pluto may represent some kind of catharsis. Maybe there is an emotional outpouring that comes when you're faced with your limitations that can be healing. Sometimes when we, when we you know, let go of what we've been repressing emotionally, that can lead to the, the, the transformative new reality that the, the, you know, the birth of the butterfly out of the cocoon, but it's uncomfortable, <laughs> like, right? We're struggling to spread our wings. And when we first spread our wings, we're a little bit vulnerable and we have to take it one day at a time. Okay. So that's the 14th. When we move forward to August the 15th, the, the mercury here, at about 
17 degrees of Virgo will be trining the North Node. So there may be a positive communication um, between trying to bring our new uh, material reality into being and, and maybe Mercury is helping us find a new organizational system uh, to deal with our resources. Maybe this is a new budget. Maybe this is a, a new uh, way to, inf you know, a new skill that helps you to uh, conserve your resources and pass on um, things into, you know, a legacy, infuse something into a body. The second decade of Virgo is really about, in, in, you know, the artisan or the craftsman like Hephaestus that is able to bring something into being. So this is another good opportunity to have conversations about your material realities. If you've come into a, a standstill, if you've come to an obstruction, sometimes flexibility, communication, uh, trying to visualize other pathways can lead us away from the, that fixed position. And that's going to be really important in August is we've got a lot of planets camping out in fixed signs that are digging their heels in. And Mercury in Virgo is saying, what is the practical solution? What is the practical flexible solution that you need to get it done? I know that you've, you've got your values. I know you've got your ideals. I know you've got your comfort. But how do we get it done? Not like how do we get it done ideally? Like what is the actionable, practical thing that we can do? And if you keep that in mind throughout the month, I think you're, you'll utilize Virgo and Mercury to the best of its ability. You examine the details of the situation, the mundane details, the realistic details, not the idealistic ones. You get your hands dirty. You, you examine the reality of your situation. You accept the reality of your situation. And then you're able to take action with, with what is going on in your life instead of just projecting some fantasy. This, is not, this isn't a great time for fantasy projection. This is a good time for getting real. All right. So when we move forward to the 16th, Mercury gets real with Uranus. So here we've got a trine between Mercury and Uranus at about 18 degrees or so of Taurus and Virgo respectively. So what is Mercury asking us to do? It's asking us to get real, but it's also asking us to, to shake it up a little bit. How can you do something differently than you've always done it? How can you get out of your new routines? Mercury is a planet. Hermes is a, a god that asks a lot of questions. So it's important to maybe ask questions rather than make declarative statements around this time. Like, what if we tried it this way? How could it work if we did it a different way? What do you think? There's a great one. What, what do you think we should do rather than, I think we should do this? You know, like, what would make sense for you? And then you say what makes sense for you personally. And then you find a way to meet in the middle. Okay. So Kate's saying Mercury and Virgo, I find instructions for the thing I already built. Yeah. Right. Well, maybe this is a great time to follow a, a new manual, right? To, to, to write a new manual, a new instruction manual for the thing that you've built. Maybe we've built something with through Mercury's time in Virgo. And when it's making that trying to, to Uranus, it's time to share uh, the new system with people. Um, so again, flexibility comes in. Maybe there's a flash of material insight. Maybe you've got a, a new budget. Maybe you've got a new way of doing something. Maybe you have 
some new resources that are at your disposable or at your disposal that will allow you to do something in a new way that is reflective of who you are now, right? So a great time to, to be efficient with your time and with your communication as well. Mercury in Virgo is an efficiency expert. expert. There's no superfluous junk, okay? They're saying what stays, what goes. Remember, this is the transition. Virgo season is a transition between uh, summer and fall. We're trying to figure out what we're going to store for the winter and what we need to return back to the earth. Okay, so what are we going to pass on as a legacy? How can we, you know, store things in the larder? How can we preserve things, you know, and how can we, uh, you know, get rid of the, the dross, you know? Th that's the key with, with Virgo season. Don't get caught up in it. Don't spend too much time in it, overthinking it. You don't have time to overthink it. Winter's coming. Just get what needs to, to, to be done. All right. So that's our Mercury uh, trine Uranus experience making a new plan, communication over systems and routines, and a new way of doing something, a flash of insight potentially. Maybe just take it and being slightly unpredictable as well. A lot of earth signs are, tend to be predictable, and it's, it can really shock people when you're like, oh, well, let's do it this way instead. As a Taurus moon, sometimes when I, I do something different, people are like, well, I've always counted on you to do it this way. And uh, it's always, it can be a fruitful uh, shock sometimes. All right, well, let's move forward to the 18th. Hope you're all doing well out there. Thank you so much for spending your afternoon, your, your day of Zeus with me today. This is so much fun. I love hanging out with you. Utilizing that Taurus moon endurance for a two or three hour live stream. Some people are like, those are too long. And other people are like, I love it. So, yeah, you know, can't always make everybody happy. But I enjoy this, so I, that's why I keep going. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't spend my time with you. So thank you so much for being here today. Um, let's look at the 18th of August. And I'm going to move the chart forward. And we're looking at Venus making a trine with Jupiter. So here's Venus at eight degrees of, to of Leo, sorry, uh, making a trine with Jupiter that is retrograding backwards. So uh, let's see here. Where are the hours here? This is, I'm kind of looking at this. I'm like, yeah, there we go. I want to see when it is exact here. Yeah, there it is, around that period of time. So we've got a retrograde Jupiter, and we have Venus uh, moving through the first decan of Leo, retrograde Jupiter through the first decan of Aries. So this is actually a, this is a, a fairly nice aspect, right? With two benefics coming together, um, very fiery, very passionate, um, trying on those new personas, maybe... Uh, your ability to, to create personal sovereignty is important around this period of time. Um, you may be attracting the, the right role so that you can become independent. This is Jupiter is asking us to uh, re-examine the way that we've been severing from the, the collective to assert our personal sovereignty. And Venus will be saying, well, where do we need to, to compete 
to become the person that we need to be. Sometimes we have to uh, put ourselves out there and that can feel like a lot of pressure. Uh, T. Susan Chang calls the first decan of Leo the under pressure, the pressure cooker, where, you know, let's think about it as you've, you've gotten a new role in the play and you've practiced and now the spotlight's on and it's like, oh, I'm nervous, right? But once you accept that you're out there and, you're, and the lights come on, sometimes a switch flips. And maybe this is the day that a switch flips for the better where you're able to kind of take on that new role and it, it, is, it is fruitful moving forward. Um, Kate says, sometimes when it's not by the book, you learn more. And yeah, maybe you need to do it again, but you'll know how it works exactly, right? It's, it's okay to do things multiple times if you're kind of learning through the process. Um, well, Raven, Raven says that they're not as active in the chat, but they're sketching a new print and I'm very much enjoying listening. Well, thank you, Raven. I'm glad you're here with us today. And I'm glad that I can be your background, uh, background chatter for creating something new. I have, there's, I have actually heard that feedback from a number of people in the chat here that, um, when they're working on projects and art projects, oftentimes they'll tune in and, and listen. And I always appreciate that as well. And hopefully I can bring some inspiration your way and help, uh, be, a muse of sorts on some level. Um, and Kate, thank you for, for your compliments as well. I'm glad that you're here with us. And I, it is a, something that I enjoy doing. Um, the challenging part for me with these is not necessarily doing the live itself. It's, the, it's all the prep that goes into it. I've, I have like five pages of notes to make this uh, seem a very like f flow, <laughs> flow state, right? I, like I try to do so much prep so that uh, all of these things can come through me uh, as a channel rather than me having to search for all of them uh, as I go along. This helps keeps me focused, these doing the prep in, in beforehand. And that's something that I highly recommend is somebody who makes something look easy. I hope that I make this look fairly easy. I, I, that's my goal when I'm doing these things. Like an athlete that makes whatever they're doing or an artist a musician that makes what they're doing look easy. It, it looks easy because they've put the work in beforehand. And, and that's something I highly recommend during this period of time too, is proper preparation can, when, can prepare you for your moment. Because when that spotlight hits, that's when you rely on your instincts rather than all the preparation. You don't get lost in overthinking things. As, a, as athletes, you train your body to have instinctual reactions. As scholars, we train our instinctual reactions because so this moment, there is literally a spotlight on me right now, this ring light, the spotlight's on. How can we, we tap into our instincts from all that study so that it comes out of us? It's through preparation. So, yes. Um, ooh, we got another new friend. Omundo Segundo Uma Sagittariana. That is an awesome screen name, my friend says, it is weird. I have so much good stuff happening in my 10th house, yet it feels like I'm closing chapters. Yeah, well, oh, Mundo, what is your uh, rising sign? What is, what is happening in your 10th house? I'm curious. Um, yeah, sometimes life is not one thing or another. We can be simultaneously starting wonderful things and, and closing another chapter at the same time. So yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's not always one thing. I, I, you know, I, I'll tell you, I have uh, Jupiter and Saturn and Mars all in the same house. And when that house, Vir or Virgo, is, is activated by perfection, I sometimes experience the, the best and the most difficult things in my life all at once. 
and it's very confusing, but it's also like, wow, okay, uh, this is the greatest. Like I went to, I went to um, UAC the same year I was having a real difficult time with my family. Um, so it was, there was a, a beautiful professional thing was happening, but a really difficult domestic thing was happening. And, and you know, it's, it's, that's life. It's shades, there's shades of gray, right? Um, yeah, Prudence is crocheting right now. Good. <laughs> uh, Raven says, you and the astrology podcast helped get me through my marathon creating sessions. Nice. Awesome. That is good company that I'm in. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm, I, you know, grew up, quote unquote, as an astrologer, listening to Chris and Kelly and, and Austin, and uh, they are part of my astrological journey and teachers. I consider them teachers of mine as well. And uh, it's great that, that uh, you've mentioned us in the same breath that, that fills my heart with joy. I hope that we're doing good work here just like they're doing. I, I, that is awesome. Kate says, Spencer is like astrological ASMR, <laughs> right? It's, why, it's this microphone. You know, it's this, the quiet storm of the SM7B, uh, the sure SM7B micro, microphone. Uh, Janet says, you're still going. I just took my cat to the vet nearby and I came back. Yes, Janet, I'm still going. Sorry. I digress quite a bit. So we'll try to get back on track here a little bit. Uh, and El Mundo says, Gemini rising. So we've got all sorts of stuff happening in your uh, your 10th house of Pisces? No, am I thinking of this right? Yeah. Um, all sorts of stuff happening. By whole sign, I guess. Let's see. Yeah, Rachel also has a Virgo house that is the, the best of times and the worst of times, yes. Indeed, you probably born similar year to me. Early 80s, there's this big stack up in Virgo where we just have it all at once. Um, okay, let's, let's, let me refocus for a second. I love the chat. I could spend just all day just chatting with you, but I've got to get through some more astrology here. So I come in under the, maybe under the three hour mark today. Uh, so we're on August the 18th. We've, got, we've just talked about a Venus trine Jupiter retrograde. As we move towards the 19th, as we move towards the 19th, in my ASMR voice, we have a square between the moon and the sun. So this is our last quarter moon square on the 19th of August at 26 degrees of Taurus. So remember, we've got that really difficult degree around uh, Algol, um, where we may be trying to protect against misfortune in that degree. Right? Uh, we've got a, uh, let's see, I'm going to go back so you can see it. There is the last quarter square between the moon and the third decan of, of Taurus. Also on this day, you always want to look at the aspects the moon's making. So to other planets, so the moon's going to be applying to a conjunction with Mars at the anoretic degree in Taurus. So that's not super fun. Uh, so you know, this may be some uh, another time where you're confronting and banishing some of your fears of the future. This is one thing that I liked in Austin Kopic's book uh, of the astrology podcast, Fame, 36 Faces, where he talks about the waning, uh, the waning phase of, of the moon in the third decan of Taurus, talks about releasing some of the things that may stop us from, from moving forward in life, the fears and the forces of beyond our control. 
because there is things that are beyond our control. We have to have the courage, third decan, Leo, son, to be able to release some of our fear. So I think this is a great day for letting go of some of our fear and maybe dealing with some of the challenging things that we might have to redo, which is a lot of the themes of, of Taurus 3, having to redo something that was maybe done in haste in the past. Uh, so, you know, this is a great day to like reconsider whether your actions have been producing something beneficial or whether they're producing something painful and it's okay to admit you are wrong that's another thing that's a hard thing for us leo placement people is to admit admit we were wrong but sometimes that can lead to the the peace and the respect that you so desire i think leos want to be applauded and respected and there's nothing like a, a little bit of modesty and humility and being able to admit when you actually are wrong to gain the respect of the people around you. That's been a hard lesson for me to learn, but it, it is a real one. Um, yeah, Kate says, heads will roll. It is tense that every last quarter moon is triggering Taurus extremes. Yeah, last quarter moon's a tough one. I, I live the last quarter moon with my moon and Taurus and, and the sun and Cancer. It's still in that last quarter phase, even though they're sextile one another. Um, it is the, I would describe it as the existential crisis, where you're constantly second guessing yourself, you're, you need to let go of a lot of things in life. What once appealed to you no longer does oftentimes. I've lived many different types of lifestyles and different types of um, values, and I'm constantly questioning whether they are still working. And that's what you should do during the last quarter moon, I think, is say, is this working? And if it's not, how do I release and prepare for what is to come. All right. Yeah, Raven says, the moon and Mars seem to catch each other at those anoretic degrees of the past few sign changes. Yes. And if for those of you who are not familiar with anoretic degree, that's like the last degree of a sign, right? So 29 degrees or so of a sign is said to be pretty volatile, pretty intense, because there's these changes happening. So Mars in its exile, in a difficult decade, at the last degrees of Taurus, this could be a little bit of a funky time. So hang in there, all of you. Maintain your center. Do your repentant prayers. Pray to the Litai. Do all of your ritual practices. Swallow your pride. Figure out what values are worth defending and which ones are worth letting go. And um, that, should, that should help you through this time. Now, another thing to think about at this time is that uh, Mars is about to move into Gemini. So we go forward one more day to the 20th. Uh, we're going to see Mars move into Gemini here. And, and we're going to have Mercury applying to an opposition with Neptune. So here is our ingress of Mars into Gemini. And it's ha happening simultaneously with Mercury's opposition with Neptune. Now, this is an important point in our astrological year because Mars is going to spend an extra amount of time in Gemini this year. Basically, Mars is going to be in Gemini for the rest of the year. I don't, I don't remember if it retrogrades back into Taurus at all. So if someone out there knows that, um, let, me, let me know in the chat. But Mars is going to retrograde in the end of October, and then not turn direct again 
until January the 12th of 2023. So what does Mars represent in Gemini 1? Well, Gemini 1 is that that paralysis by analysis, like so many options, right? Where we feel paralyzed. You can see the Eight of Swords card with that, where a figure is blindfolded and bound and say, oh, well, we've just got so many different directions that we could go. And Mars is probably bringing us some tension with that, where we're feeling a lot of anxiety. I think mental anxiety could be something that we could feel just a lot of like, you know, where we just don't know what the right way of going is. I also think that this could really get, we could get spicy with our communications, the way that we talk to one another. Um, you know, we have to be really careful about expressing ourselves and not just popping off and saying whatever comes into our mind, because we're going to have a pretty intense Sun-Mars square that comes up shortly after this as well. Now, this could also be with Mercury opposing Neptune uh, on the 21st of August. You know, this is a time to double check details because Mercury is going to be the host of that Mars. So Mercury at this point at 23 degrees of Virgo is on a fixed star called Alkis, and that's in the, the a, a constellation called Crater, the sacred cup of Apollo. And that cup is related to, to passing on something sacred to the next generation. So Mercury is trying to pass on something sacred. You know, and Mars is, is like saying, oh, well, how do we do it? <laughs> you know, what are all the ways that we could pass this knowledge on? And it's a good time to double check all the details. Like think if you're like writing up a, I don't know, a will or some kind of like legal document about passing on resources to your next generation. Be very careful about all the agreements that you make around this period of time because Mercury is going to be opposing Neptune and it could make the details a little fuzzy. There could be some confusion around it. There could be some misunderstandings. Some of the, the data could be flawed. So this is another thing to think about too. When Mars is in Gemini, be really careful that if you're making arguments with people, if you're arguing some kind of position, that you have all the correct facts because you could be arguing something that eventually you're gonna have to backtrack on because your data was flawed at this period of time. Does that make sense? So something to consider with all of this, uh, with this Mercury-Neptune opposition, with, the, with Mars moving into to Virgo. I'm seeing that I missed a lot of <laughs> slide chats here. Uh, let's see. I'm just looking through here. Uh, astrology is the artisan as well, yes. Um, Rachel says, I think that is quite a Leo Aquarius fixed and right thing. Yeah, like being like, you know, fixed in your position and saying, oh, I'm right. No, you're right. No, no, we're getting all, all worked up over who's right and who's wrong. Um, okay. Nat says, what a month August is. What a year it has been. And the eclipses have been super intense. I agree, Nat. And, and, it's not over yet. <laughs> In America, we've got a midterm election coming up too. My goodness, pray for us over here. I know you're going through some political changes uh, in, in England right now, the UK. Uh, I hope it works out and I hope that whoever takes the new mantle of power is better than the last leader and is able to bring equality and functionality to your government. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a lot to process. 
I've been doing a little bit of research, but I don't know the candidates super well. I'm not overly impressed with either one of them, but uh, who knows? Dimphy's asking, will this be a good thing as Gemini is my ascendant with Mars in your first house squaring the soon-to-be sun in your fourth house? Mm, nah, no, no, <laughs> I don't think so. I think it'll be interesting. I don't know if it'll be a quote-unquote good thing. I think it'll be uh, your, your blood will start to boil a little bit more and you might feel a little bit like expressing yourself in a more... Um, willful manner um so just be careful about that but it might give you some energy uh for the first few months that it's there i think sometimes mars in the first can can give you some extra energy um but i, I Dimphy, you're talking about gardening in your chart or in in the chat a little bit here this may be a time where you have a lot of responsibilities with your garden but i would i would encourage you i don't know which stage of life you're in but i would encourage you to pace yourself and not overdo it with some of the gardening stuff because um, it may it could lead to like uh, some kind of challenge with your with your body or your nervous system if you burn yourself out so just one day at a time um i know i've had to think about that as with as i ascend in in years here is trying to pace myself a little bit better and not overdo it as a leo rising you tend to get really passionate and enthusiastic about things um okay let's see looking just looking through the chat here folks uh, we've got elections in Brazil, Omundo says. We need to get uh, Bolsonaro out. Is that the really authoritarian dictator guy uh, in in Brazil? If I'm, my memory is correct, we got rid of one authoritarian dictator in Boris Johnson. I don't know if the other people are any better. I'm not that hip on international politics of every country, but I know that there's been a rise in authoritarianism, and as many of those dudes that we could you know, kick to the curb, the better. So for the, the sake of the people, I hope that there's better things coming. Uh, Raven says, Rick Levine was saying, there is no such thing as a bad chart, but election day in the U.S. is a bad chart. <laughs> well, stick around for my astrology of November because I haven't looked as far that far ahead yet, but I'm sure that it'll be dumb and it'll be painful. <laughs> America's on a weird path right now with their Pluto return. But hopefully we'll have each other to get through it. I guess I would encourage you to still vote. I know that some of some of us have gotten frustrated with the system and worried that our vote might not count. And the least you can do, though, is to continue to vote. And then if, if the corruption makes it that uh, our votes are not counted correctly or whatever, then, then, then we take the next step. But the first step is to try to work within the system. And then if that doesn't work, then I don't know burn the system down completely <laughs> but I, I tend to be a peacemaker and I tend to try to try to work with in, in a cooperative fashion first and 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 then you know you figure out what's next if that's not working and and honestly it, it a lot of it hasn't been working so I acknowledge how messed up it is um, okay let's get back to some of this astrology here uh, so we've got Mars that's moved into Gemini on the 20th. We've got the opposition of Mercury and Neptune on the 21st. Uh, that will bring us to Virgo season. So here we've got the sun moving into Virgo on August the 22nd, a 22 day. If you're into numerology, that's a master number day. It's 
really interesting, like a master builder. Whoop. Oh, that's not, what have I got on the screen here? I've got Gemini 2023. <laughs> that's not good. Uh, okay, there we go. August 22nd, 2022. The sun moves into the first decan of Virgo. Uh, we've still got Mercury in Virgo hosting the sun. So a, a couple powerful days before Mercury moves into Libra. Uh, we do as this have a square that is starting to perfect between the sun and Mars as we begin Virgo season. So I was hoping that we'd get a little bit of relief as the sun moved out of Leo and into Virgo, but we're going to have to deal with that Mars square in the very end of the month as well. So let's talk. I'm going to stop the share for a minute. I'm going to talk a little bit about Virgo 1. Um, if you want to learn more about Virgo in depth, my Decans of Virgo is available in the store at my website, spencermashow.com. I've got to do my little sales pitches every once in a while here. I feel as, as silly as some of you might receiving those messages, but you know, you got to make a living. But th there's some really great information in that Decans. That was the first one I ever did. And there's some really great stuff about goddesses that were coming to terms with the imperfection of humanity and dealing with their their own disgust and their um, desire to leave this material plane. Disgust is a word that, I, that comes up a lot with Virgo. I feel this as having three Virgo planets like, Ugh, I don't like that. <laughs> and it doesn't stop there, though. Like people can misinterpret Virgos and be like, oh, you don't like anything. Well, it's like, nah, we don't like something, but then we get to work to quote unquote fixing it or changing it. So th that first impulse of Virgo is like, ooh, it's, it's, it's necessary to be able to figure out what stays and what goes. Think about this as the harvest time. That, that disgust mechanism will help you see uh, insect damage in the uh, crops that you've harvested. It'll help you see like mold that's, that started to grow. And you're like, ooh, that's not good. I got to throw that away. Oh, but also, that same impulse can help you appreciate something of value. Say, ooh, that's a beautiful tomato. I'm going to use that in my canning process. And I'm going to keep those, this tomato because it's beautiful and delicious. And I know that that's going to sustain me. So it, it, both of those things are happening at the same time. There is that disgust. There is that disappointment. But there's also a, a great ability to, to assess something of great value that is worth saving, that is worth preserving, that is worth putting into a material form to pass on to the next generations. I do a prayer to Hestia every morning. Hestia is one of the deities associated with, uh, with Virgo. And I ask Hestia to help me to pass on sacred wisdom, help me to, to cl clearly pass on this wisdom for the generations to come every single morning. Uh, and that, that's something I think that it, it, we are dealing with when we get into Virgo season. So Austin Cobbett calls the first decade of Virgo a tree bearing fruit. Okay. And T. Susan Chang calls it it's the little things. It's the little things. So paying attention to those details. And here we see the eight of, of, of um, pentacles with a, a craftsman of advanced age that we were talking about earlier, working very hard, doing the mundane work, trying to learn the skills necessary to, to be able to become a master. Uh, we have a daimon in this decan called Themis. who's basically Themis is the goddess of divine law and order that teaches divine law to her constituents, um, you know, the right rules of conduct and say, hey, you know, this is the way it's done. This is the way that it, these are the natural laws. And we're talking about natural law here, not necessarily human law, 
the, the forces of nature. It's like, hey, this is how you can come alignment in alignment with the Tao, with the forces of the seasons and things of that of that regard. Um, so, it, it, this this is a great time to learn a new skill, to to focus, to release some of the drama of Leo season. And be like, no, it's time to get to work. That's all well and good. Um, I've let this go. Time to get down to business. Okay, this is a lot, this is really in the time of year in, in North America. This is when kids go back to school and everyone's rushing around me like, oh, I got to get school supplies for my kids. I've got all these new routines that I've got to figure out because now the kids aren't in school anymore. I got to figure out how to get them to point A to point B. I've got to be efficient with my time, right? This is everybody gets a little bit of anxiety because they're like, oh shit, winter's coming. Uh, th this new system has to be put in place. It's also a time of great abundance too. You've got this beautiful harvest that you're trying to figure out what to do with so that you can make it through the more difficult times in the winter. Um, so embrace that part of it too and appreciate the, the, the beauty of all of the things that you've spent time crafting uh, over the course of the summer, the abundance that nature has provided and how can you preserve it to pass on uh, and, and to, to nourish you through the more difficult times of winter as well. Okay. Looking through the chat, looking through the chat. We're talking about Rick Levine. Uh, he's an interesting guy. Um, 22 is your life path, Raven. Wow. Wow. Um, go build a hospital or something. <laughs> 22 life paths, are, they, they do something, they bring something into form that benefits the masses. So um, there's all sorts of ways to, to do something for your uh, practical for your community with 22 life path. It's not an easy life path. Master numbers require more of us. Um, there may be more challenges. There may be more trauma in the beginning. Um, and sometimes we're not always able to utilize all the, the higher octaves of that energy. Sometimes we just have to structure our own lives before we can do something grand. I think that's one of the things with 22 life paths. They always want to do something grandiose. Oftentimes you have to get your own shit together before you can like do, do great things for others as well. Um, in 22, there's other 22s that have done some pretty gnarly things too. I believe Trump's also a 22 life path. So uh, it doesn't confer greatness of character. Um, but you get to choose what you do with that energy and whether you use it for your own self-glorification or whether you use it to help other people. All right. Uh, 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 I have an 11 soul number or something like that. I'm a five life path number, if you all are curious, which is dealing with change and, I don't know, talking about different... Uh, there's a, there's a magnetism to five where you attract certain things and you learn to overcome the five senses and choose maybe the path of the mind is how I've understood it. A soul number is based on the vowels in your name. Um, 11 soul numbers or 11 seems to be a channel for wisdom and trying to, to lead groups of people. That's something I really enjoy doing. So it's, I, I guess maybe I'm living that out on some level. It's sort of a muse number on some level. Um, but we, yeah, maybe we can explore that as a group, some numerology things too. It's so much fun. So many systems of divination to learn about ourselves. Xdean says, I'm part of the 80, 1980 Virgo Stelio group. Yay, you're, you're, you have uh, the, the best and the worst of times together all wrapped up in one tidy package and one particular house too. So welcome to the club. It's a, it's a fun club, isn't it? Happy monkey, monkey year to you. Um, let's see. Yeah, and Raven, I'm not comparing you to Trump. Don't worry. There's there's so many people that have done great things with that life path. But there, but again, I would say that 
a life path number doesn't guarantee that you will do something great. You have to, you still have to make choices with your life. And oftentimes, you know, our character can overcome things. And all, all that life path to me means is that the container, the potential is, is vast. And sometimes we'll fulfill that potential and sometimes we won't. Um, and when you have, I think the, uh, the way that I understood, if you have a smaller number, the container is a little bit smaller. It doesn't mean it's not important. It just means that maybe, you know, like if you have a one, an individual life is important to, to, to bring into fruition. Uh, whereas it's a two, you're trying to do relationships and, and so on and so forth up to like nines where you're, there's a lot of altruism associated with nine. So, but it's, it's all stages in a journey, just like every sign, there's no one sign that's better than the other. They're all just stages in, the, in a universal journey. And scale is really relative. By, by becoming the best you, you're also helping other people and serving the collective. So don't get too bent out of shape about those things. I think it's easy to get wrapped up in, I have a master number, blah, 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 and I'm supposed to do something super special. That's just your ego talking. So we have to be real careful of that in these, these um, I don't know, whatever this work is that we do of, um, not trying to get a spiritual materialism where we where we try to get too like full of ourselves when we have a certain placement or whatever. I have to be careful of that with my Taurus moon that I, was, I always brag about. <laughs> like that doesn't mean I'm a good person. It just means that maybe that area of my life flows a little bit better than than some other uh, you know moon signs particularly. So it doesn't. You got to still work on your character each day. Uh, Lisa, thank you for the super sticker. You are awesome. I would love to talk to you soon, too. I hope that uh, if you need any help working on that new project that you're launching, I'd be more than happy to, to help you out. I always enjoy talking with you. Lisa should be a guest on my show at some point. She's a very wise person. She's kind of going through some big changes in her life and I guess maybe coming out of the metaphysical closet a little bit. And uh, she deserves our support and our, our thumbs up here. So, Lisa. Good luck, and, and I'll, I'll be here for you if you need any support. I'll be more than happy to support you in your endeavors. Um, okay. All right, friends. Yeah. One thing I'll say, and this is the last thing I'll say, and I'll finish up Virgo season. All of you who are, like, like sad about your number, and if it's, like, lower digit, that's, it's all BS, okay? It doesn't mean that you're not special. doesn't mean that you don't have purpose. doesn't mean that, like, someone who has a higher number is better than you release that right away and a, a numerological chart has multiple numbers too it's you have a life path number you have a, a soul number you have like an expression number it's just like an astrological chart and you could have uh, all sorts of different ways of expressing for different areas of your life so please don't get hung up on on that particular um, way of thinking of the numerological chart that was just one numerologist's opinion. That's not even necessarily my opinion. Like, I don't, I don't actually agree with that. So just love yourself as you are. Do your life the best that you can do, and you'll be, you know, contributing good things to the whole. All right? I'm, I'm looking at you with, like, my, my, mom, my mom eyes right now, for those of you just listening. Like, okay? Okay? Just love yourself as you are. It's okay. You can be you. All right, so that's, you know, this is kind of the vibe with Virgo 1, um, first decade of Virgo. Now, what, one interesting thing that we're seeing on August the 22nd, back to the astrology here, sorry for the digression here, 
for most of my Virgoian audience, like, get on with it, Spencer. <laughs> the, the sun is going to be applying to a fixed star called Regulus on, on this August the 22nd day. And Regulus is a pretty important fixed star. Uh, pretty important fixed star with uh, being able to um, deal with how we pursue power, how we pursue um, glory, right? Regulus is the heart of the lion, and it, it, it is in the constellation of Leo. It is in the, um, it is per- processed into Virgo now, which shifts, shifts its energy. So it is a very intense fixed star. It's one of the royal fixed stars that marked out the summer solstice in ancient times. And now it's it's processed from a very royal position in Leo to maybe one of more humility in Virgo. Uh, it, it is something where maybe the true royal nature in modern times is to just humbly work at what we are doing and do it to the best of our ability. So this is something where we are, uh, you know, we may be feeling really intensely passionate about what we're doing. We may have some grandiose ideas, but to bring those grandiose ideas into fruition, we have to just get down to work and be able to do it as skillfully as we possibly can. Okay. So that's what we've got with just the sun hanging out on Regulus for the day. Uh, Also, Bernadette Brady talks about this fixed star as having a nemesis. Each of the royal fixed stars has a nemesis to avoid. And in Regulus is really about revenge. So we, we, we don't want to get so caught up in, in gaining power that we're, we're wanting to tear others down to get it. And that's something that we've seen with some leaders, leadership that has, um, you know, Regulus placements as they get really bent out of shape if anybody, you know, trying to tear others down to gain more power. And that's something that I would really, I would really avoid. All right. So we're on the 22nd. Sun moves into to Virgo. We also have a Mercury trine to Pluto. So this is our Mercury-Pluto trine right here, where we may be able to communicate some of our new system systemic ideas um, and probe deeply, right, getting underneath the surface of things to create some kind of new material solution. This, the, the new ideas and the new systems we may have may help us to pass on wisdom to the next generation. Uh, remember that the third decan of Virgo is related to that 10 of pentacles card, where we see a, an old man that is sitting and surrounded by loved ones and, and maybe thinking about his transition into the next life and passing on his wealth, whether it's wisdom or material goods, into the, to the next generation. So we may, may be thinking about that and how we're going to pass on whatever it is that is wor- worthy of, of preserving uh, and also coming to terms with entropy. I think this, especially with the contact with Pluto, the concept of entropy is really important. I think that when we think about entropy is like the, the decay or the loosening of order. So we have to, sometimes we have to come to terms with forms die, they pass away, but the essence remains. So how can we preserve the essence while not getting super attached to the form when we have Mercury trining Pluto on the 22nd of August? Okay. As we move forward to the 24th, we have one of our solar phases we were talking about. Uh, We have 
Uranus stationing retrograde. So here is Uranus moving retrograde right here. Where is it? I lost it. There it is. In my program, when a planet turns retrograde, it turns red. So you can see a retrograde planet by it being red. The north node is also retrograde in this chart, and as is Jupiter and Saturn and Pluto. So all of those planets are retrograde or, or points if we're thinking about the node. So what are we going to experience when Uranus uh, stations retrograde, stands still and stations retrograde? Well, it's a reevaluation time, right? It's a reevaluating some of the, the new innovative material solutions, the shakeups to our material routines, uh, maybe a slowing down of new structural changes as well, where we're having to say, what, did this work? Is this really bringing us the, 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 the abundance that we would hope for in the second decade of Taurus? Or do we have to try something new? So again, it's, it's retrograding in a fairly close square to Saturn. So we're having to really kind of deal with kind of the old versus the new um, unraveling some of those old narratives so that we can move forward with a new material reality that is more healthy for those involved. And it is also still pretty close to the North Node. So there's an in increase in our desire for these changes as well. So that's what we've got with the retrogradation of Uranus uh, on the 24th. When we get to the 25th, we start to have a really interesting, uh, Venus starts to become highlighted at the end of the month here. So here is Venus at 16 degrees of Leo. And now Venus takes her turn at the bending of the nodes. So this is when the, a planet is squared the nodes of the moon here. So at 16 degrees of Leo, it's, it's squaring the nodes at 16 Taurus and 16 uh, Scorpio. So what we've got is Venus going through her own changes, you know, moving away from the north node of where we were trying to, having desire for this independence now we're moving towards through our through creating our authentic selves, right? Through through our our being ourselves, being in alignment with who we are internally and who we are externally. We're now having to utilize our ability to release relationships that are deeply enmeshed emotionally. Okay, so this is a, a turning point in relationships where we have to start moving towards the the south node and say, hey, we might have to reduce our dependence on this particular relationship. It may not be, we may be, you know, remembering something that isn't necessarily reflective of who we are now in our relationships. So a turning point. And this is also the, the time where Venus is starting to apply to the square with Uranus. So some kind of shakeup that we'll see that will perfect on August the 27th, while Venus is also going to move under the beams on August the 27th. So again, Venus is really highlighted at the end of the month here with, with changes, choices, and crossroads and relationships. So you, you may have to be establishing some of your, your own sovereignty and independence as you start to release those codependent relationships. So an attraction to feeling acknowledged for who you really are, rather than just a reflection of this, this, you know, merged unit. And of course, Venus is going to be making an opposition to Saturn at the end of the month too. So 
some endings in relationships after the shakeup, potentially. Uh, Dimphy, Dimphy is taken off. Um, the dog is nearly bursting. Hopefully I can listen outside as well. Bye for now. Well, thank you, Dimphy. Take care, my friend. Pace yourself. Uh, take care of that doggy. And uh, hopefully things in, um, in the Netherlands are slowing down and, and uh, are safe for all of you over there. And the heat subsides a little bit. Let's, uh, what do you say, friends, that we wrap this, wrap this up here? We're heading towards hour three. I'm starting to get low blood sugar. So let's, let's give you a couple more aspects and then we'll talk about the I Ching and the animal and then we'll go our separate ways and get a snack and, and uh, you know, relax for the rest of the day. Although maybe this is relaxing. I don't know. Who knows? So in addition to the Venus being at the bending of the nodes, we're going to see Mercury moving into Libra on the same day. Okay. So this is a shift of dignity for Mercury where Mercury moves out of its exaltation, out of its home sign, and into Venus's sign. So this is, you know, while Venus is going through all these changes, Mercury moves into her diurnal domicile and starts to ask more questions about what is fair. How do we compare one thing to another? Um, Generally, the first decan of, of Libra highlights inequality first. So we may become hyper aware of things that aren't fair so that we can go through the journey of trying to bring them back into balance. So, so just be a little bit careful in the beginning of this uh, cycle to, to not get overly thrown off base by things that aren't fair. We're going to have to acknowledge the inequality in, in our systems and in our relationships before we can do the hard work of bringing them into harmony and into balance. So that's just part of the natural cycle of things. So that can be one, one way to, to deal with this, this challenge. The other thing that makes it a little bit difficult too, though, is that the sun loses its uh, contact with its host. Um, so we may feel a little bit aimless when the Mercury moves into to Libra, uh, less so than when we were kind of unified with Mercury providing resources to the sun when uh, they were in Virgo. So it's just something to be aware of with that. The other thing that we have here is Mercury is starting to move into a trine with Mars. So we, you know, asking those questions of fairness will help us to explore some of the different ways that we're going about things and basically move through uh, that exploration process. So we might have productive conversations with, with the trine between Mercury and Mars by whole sign here. Okay. Yeah, Kate says, Venus on the, ban- the bends feels a little like realizing I can't be myself here anymore. Yeah, that is that is true. I've got a I got a an adult teenager that's feeling that way, living at home, who's champing at the bit to, to move on. Uh, pray for us. But yes, there's probably lots of relationships going around where you know you just gotta. It's just part of life. Think you know things arise and things fall away and. How can you change to, to maintain the essence of the love that you have for one another, even when circumstances are changing, even when the physical circumstances of your life are changing? That's, that's just going to be really important to keep in mind at, at when we're going through some of these shifts. And I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to all of you. Uh, okay, so again, just to sum that up, Venus is at the bends. It's going to be squaring Uranus on the 27th here, uh, and I'm going to move to this uh, this aspect here, 
So there's our 27th. This is one of our really active days for the month. Venus squares Uranus. Venus moves under the beams at 18 degrees of Leo, which is called its morning set. You can see that here Venus is within 15 degrees of the sun. Okay, so it becomes invisible. And this is happening right as we're experiencing a new moon in Virgo at four degrees of Virgo. Simultaneously, throughout the day here, we will also have the perfection of the square between Mars and the sun, with Mars in the overcoming position. So again, we want to get to work. We want to learn new skills. We want to just get down to practical business. But Mars is kind of shaking things up and making it difficult for us to make progress because of all the different possibilities. Remember, Gemini expands possibilities. Virgo reduces them and says, I need to eliminate these possibilities. Okay, this stays, this goes, blah, blah, blah. Or Gemini says, how about this? Let's add this into it. So be very careful of adding too many things into the mix at this new moon because it could, it could really stunt some of your growth and your progress. So Mars says eliminate some possibilities, okay? Like you can't explore every path. You're going to have to let go of some imagined pathways if you want to make tangible progress at this time, okay? And also really try not to get into verbal arguments around this period of time. This could be really where you're, you're arguing over little petty details, especially with the new moon in Virgo. You could get really fixated on the how rather than the why. Okay, get really fixated on like how something has to be done, like getting really like, you know, obsess, obsessed about the details of the new plan. And that can lead to some conflict. So be, just be very cognizant of that. Um, the host of this new moon is going to be uh, Mercury in Libra, which is, it's an aversion to its host, which is not, not super great. It may feel a little bit confusing and aimless at first. The first aspect that this moon makes to a traditional planet is the conjunction to Mercury. So we may have to really work with others and to find out what is fair um, for this new moon to, to figure out what the plan is moving forward. A non-traditional aspect, it makes, it makes an opposition to Neptune. Um, so I don't know if you all use that. I guess if we're using a traditional technique, we should make a traditional planet aspect. But I just thought it was interesting that the first actual aspect it's going to make is to Neptune, where we just have some confusion, which, which fits with the aversion to its host in Mercury, uh, with Mercury and Libra. That is going to lead, and simultaneously, while all this is happening, actually, on this new moon day, is being seeded, uh, we're also dealing with the opposition of Venus and Saturn. Okay, so this is, this is going to perfect on the 28th of August. So again, it's going to echo some of the themes that we experienced earlier in the month with the sun making an opposition to, to Saturn. But now it's more related to how we relate to others, what we love, what we desire. Um, it's more related to the Libra and Taurus areas of your chart because, because Venus is providing resources to those areas. There may be a denial of something that you desire. Saturn oppositions are the big no. They're the big like, nope, you're probably not going to get that. Uh, you have to work within these limitations, and there's a lot of frustration. So there may be a relationship frustration that's going on with the opposition of these two planets. And, and again, we're going to be talking about sort of themes of should I stay or should I go, because it's going to be in the third decan of both of these signs. 
of are you want to do you want to stand your ground in your relationship and in your values or or do you need to unravel some of those old narratives to be able to move forward into the unknown and into into the future and take a leap of faith that's going to be important as you move forward and really that's the last aspect of this month the 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 non-lunar aspect is the opposition between venus and saturn not the most satisfying aspect this this new moon has some challenges baked into it um, but again, we, we just have to be able to kind of flow through the changes. I think get get to work with this one and take one little step at a time. Uh, Nat says, have to go. Thank you, Spencer. Always a joy to spend time in this community. Thank you, Nat, and hope stay cool over in the UK. And, and good luck to you, my friend. And hopefully we'll see you the next time when, um, when Janet is here on the 26th of July. All right, friends. So that's what I've got for the astrology of the day. Let's, uh, I, I can wrap up today. Uh, if you're still hanging out with me, and I appreciate all of you that are, I'm going to wrap the day with an animal uh, symbol to get us through this time, and then I'm going to talk about a hexagram. So the animal that we got for this, this month is the deer. And I've been seeing a lot of deer lately. I've been seeing a mother deer and two baby deer in my walks in the woods, and I've been uh, communicating with them and uh, I always kind of approach them very gently because if you go too fast, you'll spook them and they'll just run off. And I talk to them and say, it's okay. You know, I ask permission to come into their woods. And those kind of uh, actions are probably good to navigate through this space. Gentleness, sensitivity. You may have a little bit of an unclear direction this month, but uh, trust your instincts and your guts. I, I look at the deer as kind of a lunar animal. Um, because of its sacredness to Artemis, the huntress, and, and a, a lunar goddess. Um, so, so you trust your gut, trust your intuition, um, find that calm, peaceful center. S sometimes the simple answer is the right one. Uh, instead of overly complicating something, practice gratitude. Deer is an important animal for me. I resonate with the the mountain lion. Um, I, have, I have a Leo ascendant, but I had the I've had some animal spirit guides come to me uh, as at the mountain lion was one in particular that I work with a lot, which is talking about leadership and being able to pursue uh, your, your passion, but also leading without insisting that others follow is something that's really important and something that I've had some real humbling lessons around and kind of the, uh, when you look at animal symbolism, you look at predator prey relationships, you look at the food that they eat. And thank you, Lynn, for the super chat, super sticker. I so much appreciate all of your support here. I really love all of you, and it fills my heart to see all of you here in your comments and your, your generous donations. Thank you so much. Um, but the deer is, is food for a mountain lion often. So sometimes a, mount, a lion in Leo season, and we can think of mountain lion as the North American equivalent, right? We can be a little bit intense, and sometimes we can kind of get a little autocratic and say, my way or the highway. And the deer says, maybe just relax a little bit. You don't have to be so intense. Maybe sometimes a little bit of gentleness and intuitive nurturing can, can move mountains, can get you out of that fixed place. So pay attention to how you can create situations of sensitivity rather than trying to dominate. This is one thing that I didn't talk about with the sun and Leo, and I will in my Deccan's webinar, is that the sun dominates the sky. It just... It, it's so blinding, it, it blocks out everything else in its proximity. And that can be true of, of our 
impulses in Leo season as well as we can try to shine so brightly we can just block everything out and I've I've experienced this in the past as a as an athlete as a musician as just a competitive person in general like a desire to dominate and I've had to really relax that sometimes and to be able to work in tandem with others uh, because when you try to dominate others that doesn't allow for positive interaction with one another um so yeah it, it hits we are we're all learning through through these placements through these impulses um through our character and whatnot um so so that's the deer we've got kate i think kate's taken off too. take care kate thank you for being with us today i'm glad that we've given you some things to chew on today uh lovely to see you again um yeah we so we've got the deer as a symbol that can give us some insight into how to deal with some of these challenges of the month the hexagram that I got was number 46, and there were five changing lines, which tells me that this is a very volatile situation. The more changing lines we have, the more changes we have, the more, the more um, you know, we're going to be dealing with trying to be flexible, uh, moving towards some other type of energy. So 46 translates to ascending, pushing upwards, rising, climbing, persistence, devotion, progressing step by step making steady progress, accumulating small advantages. That step-by-step is important. This is something that was coming up a lot in all this, this uh, divination. And it's changing to hexagram number 12, which is called standstill, blockage, stagnation, misfortune, disharmony, hindrance. So we are heading into like a number of fixed kind of T-squares this month. When we want, we have some aspirations that we want to achieve, but we're going to, things are probably going to slow down because we've got a lot of competing interests and we're going to have to figure out how to unravel some of those challenges one step at a time. 46 says it's careful advancement, one step at a time. You don't have to win the entire battle all at once. In fact, you could burn yourself out doing that. Um, yeah, El Mundo says playing life by ear. Yeah, I love that talking about the, the perseverance of the elephants as well. I, lo- I love elephants also, endurance and, and longevity and wisdom. Um, great animal to work with. But 12 talks about an estrangement, having a different point of view, difficult communication, pettiness arising, misunderstandings. And the proper way to deal with that, that energy is sometimes to withdraw with dignity. Sometimes we don't always have to fight. Sometimes we don't always have to win. Sometimes if we pull back, and disengage with the conflict, time will unravel that for us. Change will unravel that for us. So don't force it. The deer is telling us not to force it too. Be gentle. Have patience and and persevere. Uh, Preserve your inner virtue. Sometimes when we get impatient, we we can get off track with our integrity. We can do things that we normally wouldn't do because of our impatience. And that's when we really start to do the greatest evil. So sometimes if we want to stay in alignment with our integrity and, and be the best version of ourselves, sometimes we aren't going to win the battle, right? And we have to just back off and say, mm, I'll live to fight another day type of thing, okay? Now I'm going to go through these changing lines one at a time because it tells a story. It's an interesting story that we have here, okay? Line number two says, if one is sincere, it is beneficial to bring even a small offering, no blame. So this, this, one of these beginning lines here talks about even with modest resources, you can still advance, even if it's just one little step, okay? 
So your sincerity and your authenticity is going to help you to make a contribution. All right. So it doesn't have to be a big grandiose thing. This is one of the challenges of Leo season is we want to do these big royal things. Yeah, I've been guilty of it. You know, it's my first album that I made. I didn't want to make a four song thing. I wanted to make a huge rock opera that was just so grandiose. It'd be like Queen or something you know, like and I failed. I failed. I didn't release it because it was too ambitious. And the thing that I actually released was much smaller. I had to pare everything down and and do some a small amount at, to my standard rather than try to bite off more than I can chew. And this, I think that's good advice with this, this second line that's changing. Line number three says, ascending into an empty city. And I want to stop and say thank you to X-Team for the super sticker. I very much appreciate your donation. And I'm glad, Raven, that this wisdom is, is speaking to you today. Uh, thank you all for your, your support today. So ascending into an empty city, changing line number three. This is where this line talks about advancing effortlessly. So we may be advancing, but we have, it feels a little bit too easy. Like we're, we're, we're like it could be too good to be true, right? This often happens when we have some successes and we start to like look around for like the, the clap back, right? Like, oh, we've, we've started to express ourselves a little more. When are we going to feel the disapproval, right? It's some of it is the fear of unworthiness. Like oftentimes when we're taking on new roles and new personas, the, the, the biggest challenge that we have to overcome is our own inner critic that's like, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And you have to start saying, you have to release that voice or quiet it down and, and accept yourself. So when we ascend to an empty city, we, we have this potential effortless advance if we're going step by step and staying in alignment with our harmony and our integrity. But don't let that fear of, of maybe some monsters, you know, waiting in the corner, stop you from continuing to move forward with your projects. Line number four says the king makes an offering at Mount Qi or Mount Qi, Qi, I'm not exactly sure the pronunciation yet. I think it's Qi um, or Qi. I don't know. Sorry. I always like to get it correct. I probably should research it more before I go on here, but it says good fortune, no blame. So appropriate conduct at the right moment can help you to uh, fulfill your ambitions. So you, you might be on the, the verge of achieving your goals throughout this month, and it's important to continue to act in a principled manner. It, stay true to the higher self and integrity that, that got you here. Um, it's important when you have some successes not to let it go to your head. That's another test of Leo second decan in particular, is what, how are you going to carry yourself when you've achieved something uh, achieve some notoriety when you've had a victory? Are you going to be magnanimous in spirit or are you going to lord your accomplishment over others that will eventually lead to your downfall? That's one of the things that you see in the transition from Leo 2 to Leo 3 is maybe that Leo 2 person got a little too full of themselves in that Jupiter decan and then people are coming for them to knock them down a peg in the third decan. So something to consider. If you stay humble, if you stay modest, if you make sure that the work is more important than your ego, it will be much, your position will be much more secure, right? Because people will recognize that what you're doing is in service of the collective rather than in service of the self and, the, and of your ego. And that is a huge difference. And you can achieve great things when you are thinking of doing something in alignment of the collective. Great things. Line number five says, perseverance brings good fortune. One ascends step by step. So ascending through calm, 
steady progress, paying attention to the details, especially when we get to Virgo season, one thing at a time. Try not to, to, to take shortcuts, you know? This is, Virgo it tries to do things correctly the first time. If you take a shortcut, that means that's inefficient because eventually you'll have to redo it because it won't be stable. You want to do something correctly the first time. And that sometimes that means taking it slow and doing your research first. So stay grounded, stay humble. Remember the skills that got you to this point, okay? That's my, my favorite athlete, Giannis Adetokounmpo, was asked, how, how did you, what do you do every day that has gotten you to this championship level? And he's like, well, I stay present. I, I don't get fixated on what I've done in the past, and I don't worry about what's going to happen in the future. I stay present, and I continue to utilize the same energy and work that got me to this point. And that's important. So sometimes we can get a little bit, we can rest on our laurels, like that second decan, the crown of laurels. And then finally, line number six says, pushing upward into darkness. It is beneficial to be un, uh, unremittingly persevering. Okay, so this means that our successes may be bringing us to a place where we don't necessarily know what's going to happen next. So we have to be vigilant. We have to be like the deer and utilize our senses, utilize those big ears, that big nose, those big eyes to think about, and, and our gut, our intuition, to be able to move forward in a way that is, you know, careful, where, uh, you know, the, the right answer today, too, can be the wrong one tomorrow. We can't get, lose ourselves to hubris. This is one warning in this line, is that you can lose whatever you've gained through hubris, through, through being arrogant, through not asking questions, through not humbly serving. Um, it's important to constantly reevaluate your methods. What is working? What isn't? Ask questions. I th this is something I, I just can't, you know, pinpoint enough. When we're going through mercurial times that we are going to be with Mars moving in Gemini, Virgo season, it's better to ask questions than to make declarative statements. Because you can learn something when you ask a question. You make too many declarative statements, you're, you're just closed off. There's no flexibility left there. So, Use caution like the deer. Don't forge ahead blindly and stay focused and determined. And, and be curious. You, let your curiosity lead you to the right answer for this moment. And remember, the right answer before, before in the past is not necessarily the right answer in the future. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that you did it wrong in the past. It just means that there's something new that is required of you in this moment. All right, friends. That's what I've got for you today. Uh, I hope that we've added something uh, positive and hopeful to the collective today. I hope that we uh, brought you a little bit of sense of peace in some of the collective chaos and provided a, a sanctuary, a safe space, an oasis for you to express your divine light. And I thank you so much for spending this time for me, for all of your wonderful contributions in the chat. If you're listening to this after the fact, please leave me a comment, hit the like button on this video, subscribe to the channel, Please sub subscribe to the newsletter. Sign up for the Decans of Leo on August 20th. Utilize the code LEO20 to save some money. Uh, I always enjoy working with all of you. Uh, if you need any help during these challenging times, I'm, I, my books are open. I would love to work with you either in a, a reading capacity, a class setting, or in a one-on-one -on -one tutoring session. Um, always enjoy doing that. So, um, And please remember, Please, please, please. It's, kindness is so important. Uh, I, 
Joy Usher in her book, Tiny Universe, talks about the Cancerian way being creating a divine climate for kindness. And that's something that I try to, to, to preach here on this channel is you can catch more flies with honey. Okay. Sometimes just, just kindness and empathy and understanding can be enough to lower someone's defenses enough to find common ground. And that's more important now than it is, has ever been, you know, so continue to be kind to one another, be kind to yourself. Thank you all for your comments and for your support. And I will see you the next time. Okay. Take care. Peace.